Hey everybody, it is episode 364 of the Wrestle Talk Podcast. Thanks for joining us tonight. You know what? We gotta get things started. Hit that music. Fans and welcome to the Wrestle Talk Podcast. For the next two hours, we will bring you the latest pro wrestling news, in-depth analysis of all your favorite promotions from across the globe, and much, much more. We will also bring you exclusive interviews with the greatest professional wrestling personalities on the local, national, and international levels. If you want to follow the Wrestle Talk podcast, check us out online at www.wrestletalkpodcast.com. You can also follow us on Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, and Instagram. And now, it's time for the reigning, defending, undisputed leader in pro wrestling podcast, the Wrestle Talk Podcast. <laughs> What's up, what Ray? Up, que pasa, que pasa, que pasa, loyal members of the Wrestle Talk family, big sexy. 364, baby, ready to knock another one out of the park. How the hell are you doing tonight, man? I'm doing pretty good. How about yourself? You, uh, Chiefs ran into a little problem this week, so hopefully oh. they can get that uh, straightened out. Well, we're going to get into that during the shoot and shout segment. Oh. I promise you that. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but what I can tell you is I am sharper than a number two pencil on test day, and I'm more official than a referee with a golden whistle. How you like that? I, I like it. I like it. We, we got. <laughs> we, it's gonna be. I think it's gonna be a good show. I'm here to, until uh, Maestro Maestro's on his way. I don't know where Maestro Maestro. I think stopped by somewhere on the way home. I, he forgot about you know. So well, the Maestro's know, a busy man. Yeah, I mean, yeah, he was at Dynamo this past week. He was uh, doing a little uh, commentating with Luke, so it was a uh, was a good show. Dude, I can't wait to talk about the Dynamo show. I was at a show this weekend. There was also DWF a couple of miles down the road from my house, so we're gonna cover all that during tonight's edition of the Wrestle Talk podcast. But guess what? We're not selfish SOBs here on the uh, WTP. If you got the gusto, give us a shout. And we will send you a link and you can actually join us because you're in a few minutes. We're going to get into the high spot segment where anybody in the pro wrestling universe is welcome to join us as long as you got a hot take. Right, Big Sexy? That's right. And I hate we got some news coming out of St. Louis yesterday. So we got to talk. That's going to be definite high spot. Dude, it's going to be a great one. Again, guys, whether you're watching us on Periscope via Twitter, the YouTube channel, the Facebook channel. It doesn't matter. Just let us know that you got a hot take. One of us will shoot you a link, and we'll go ahead and bring you on. If we do bring you on, we just ask if you have a decent pair of headphones, if you got a Wi-Fi connection and a quiet room, that's pretty much all you need. Now, before we move on and, and do or, the or, or Or an Ethernet cable. <laughs> Preferably. <laughs> <laughs> Running joke here. I'm always giving the guys a hard time about connectivity, and when they listen to me, this is the presentation that you guys get. And when they don't, well, it's like you guys got Boost Mobile. I mean, I'm just going to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> well, guess what, man? Before we go any further, let's take care of some business. As you know, Big Sexy, 
we would be who we are without the members of the WrestleTalk family, but also all the incredible sponsors of the WrestleTalk podcast, including Everything Combat, Kincaid, Esports Bar KC, Interstate 70 Sports Media, Royal Mills Transportation, Painter's Dream Production, Rathbun Engraving, home of the WrestleTalk podcast mug, and of course, our friends over at the Premier Fantasy Wrestling Promotion, the F. WWC. With all that said, I hope you got your flag ready, big oh, sexy. Let me, let me grab it. It's right over here. Got it. Because you know what we do about this time. Ladies and gentlemen, we're going to ask everybody to respectfully remove their caps, place their hands over their hearts as we pay homage to the greatest country on God's green earth. That's right, amigos. That's America, damn it. Sing along. Oh, <laughs> say can you see any rockets? Rick, Mr. I'll make up for it now. For the land of the free. Oh, that always brings that always brings a tear to my eye. I don't know why, man. It just always brings a always brings that tear to your eye. <laughs> and like Joey always used to always says, "Man, I thought he was gonna get it that time. I keep waiting for him to get it. He's like, I'm gonna make it up for you guys now, and he never does it. Damn you, Carl Lewis." <laughs> Quick, quick shout out to uh, Sunny Money Mayo. He's kind of sick in bed, so he's listening to the Wrestle Talk podcast. I just saw the comment from him. Mm. So, so uh, get better money. You know, the Wrestle Talk podcast is uh, recommended by nine out of ten therapists. Right? Are you aware of this? I, my therapist brought it up to me, and I didn't even know she knew anything about wrestling. So, really, I just made that up. I didn't know that really happened. <laughs> <laughs> No doubt about it. Well, guys, you know what time it is. We want to talk professional wrestling with you, 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 you. So go ahead and send us a message. We'll bring you on the broadcast. Just make sure, like I said, that you have a strong pro wrestling take. Big Sexy, are you ready for tonight's edition of the Wrestle Talk Podcast High Spot segment? Ah, Let's do it. Let's hit it, baby, courtesy of our homie, DJ Money. My check, my check. Yeah. All right, all right. WrestleTalk podcast. DJ Money. Yeah. Let's go. Welcome to high spots where we pop news like Claire Chop. We talk shop coming through the squeeze of a laptop. And non-stop like I want to speak with a black top. We hit hard like chest shots and back drops. I just rock fast so like a belly flop. Now that's hard. We up the scene while they stay slow. Wrestle talk podcasts. Now they know we about to start the show. Uh. And there it is, ladies and gentlemen, our intro to the world famous Wrestle Talk podcast. Hey, before before high we go spot further, segment. What's up, bro? I, I see. Is that an ET figure on your in your? Uh, bro, I got. Uh, you know what? We could do a whole show on the stuff I got in here. <laughs> okay, so I'll ask. I'll answer your ET question. Yes, but this is what I really want to bring your attention to, bro. I got the Yoshi cap on. You know why? Because I heard rumors that Chris Pratt. 
is going to be playing Super Mario in the upcoming oh. Super Mario movie. Oh, I, I didn't even realize they were going to redo the Super Mario. Yep, and Seth Rogen is playing Bowser. Oh. His kinda, voice. Uh, I think it's an animated movie, bro, but uh, I'm very excited. That's cool. That's cool. Oh, we all right. like Super We all grew up on Super Mario, so. Dude, absolutely. You know what else we grew up on? What's up, Dad? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right. Well, listen, the maestro isn't here yet. He'll be here about 15 after the hour. But for now, we're going to go ahead and kick off the high spot segment. And I have the first topic for tonight's high spot segment, something that is going to be near and dear to your heart, big, sexy. And that is the huge news that we here in the Midwest, because the St. Louis people tend to be a little selfish. You want to call yourselves the gateway to the West. You want to brag about having the best football team. Never mind. Never mind. Let's let's skip over that one. <laughs> you guys. Okay. I'll, well, you, you brought up the Chiefs earlier, so it's fair uh, game, right? Yeah, but at least we're not the Royals, so. Oh, not a baseball guy. Thank goodness. <laughs> Shout out to uh, Rough Cut in the house, the Hall of Famer, the one and only Rough Cut, Rick Ruby. We love you, bro. Um, Big Sexy. I know this is St. Louis-based news, but like I said, this is truly a Midwest event with WWE announcing its first pay-per-view in our region in quite some time. And for those that don't know, if you guys don't like spoilers, cover your ears. Big Sexy, can you tell the folks what's happening in January? It was reported on yesterday by STL Today, which is the St. Louis Post-Dispatch, that the Royal Rumble is going to be taking place at the America Center, or America Center at the, Do the Dome in America Center is the official name of it. Sorry, they, it's gone through so many names. Where the Rams used to play, where the Battle Hawks played. Uh they're expecting at least 40,000. They can they can configure the arena. It pro probably could hold close to 60,000, depending, wow. depending on how they set it up. I don't know how they're going to set it up. But let me tell you, I know I'm tagged into the St. Louis wrestling community, the Midwest wrestling community, but there was a lot of talk about people wanting to get tickets. Uh, I've got my one of my best friends is going to take his son to his first WWE event. Uh, my nephew might be going to his first WWE event. All everyone is like they want to be there, so it's it's a it's going to be a big thing. I said I was kidding around with somebody. I'm like, man, if I if I end up getting tickets and going, I'm going to spend half the night shaking hands and visiting people because everyone's going to be there. And Dude, everyone a, is going to be there. It's on a Saturday night, so it is. And I will tell you right now, as of this point, Wrestle Talk Podcast is officially beginning beginning to plan a trip which will combine everything that we do the watch parties the fantasy group the podcast everything all into one we're thinking about taking a big old caravan out there so if you're interested let me know and if there's enough of us that are game we might even actually get a suite at the arena so if you're thinking about spending money on floor seats maybe save it let's coordinate because we could potentially have our very own box, which would be just too sweet, baby. That, if you I ask mean, me, yeah, it's, it's gonna be it's gonna be an awesome it's gonna be awesome time because, uh, you know, just apparently we were supposed to have the 2021 Royal Rumble at uh -huh. the Dome, but COVID happened, so you know they kind of had the uh, they were at the Performance Center, so uh, that was a no go. So, yeah, so it's just one of those things. 
Uh, it just it seems like WWE is going to do it up. I mean, a Saturday night in St- downtown St. Louis. I mean, dude, and I've gone to St. Louis just to like kick it with the fam, and we had an absolutely wonderful time. I don't see why we couldn't do this again with just way more people. Are we, and are and we bring- could potentially bring together uh, just just from outside of St. Louis, we could potentially be bringing anywhere from fifteen to twenty five people. I mean, okay. that's a nice little group. I was say maybe even Joey will come up. Maybe because I was supposed to be in Baltimore next month, and due to some family health issues, I won't be there. So just stay uh, locked into the Wrestle Talk podcast, guys. We'll keep you posted. We'll eventually create an event page. If you want to join in and meet us there, you can absolutely do that. Um, I, I know that the sweet idea is limited to a handful of people because the space is limited. But uh, if opportunities open up for you guys to join us and kick it with us and watch the show with us, well, we'll absolutely be we'll letting have, we'll you guys to, know. We'll have to get some T Ravs too. Oh, dude. No, on our way there, while we're there, and for the ride home. <laughs> I'm going to be constipated like a mug, and I don't even hey, care. I might I might have to trade you some T-Rav, like some orders of T-Ravs for some uh, Joe's Barbecue. Well, here's what you don't know, bro. We got an Emos here now. Oh, do you? So you ain't my only plug. Uh-huh. I mean, you're one of my plugs, but I got some more plugs. I'm just, uh-huh. just letting you know. I'm, I'm moving know. on up when to the ravioli in the sky. When, did they put, <laughs> when they put an Emos in there? Uh, we got two emos. There's one on Rainbow's been up for about eight months, and then the one before that went up about 16 months ago. Nice. I think the Kansas City people will assuredly be correcting me um, about how long they've been around, but they're here, dang it, and that's what matters. So anyway, enough about food because we knew we were going to end up here, Big Sexy. That's just how it goes right. with you. Well, and yeah, me. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> no, but seriously, bro, NWA, obviously all the indie stuff, Ring of Honor about a year ago. And now a Royal Rumble. Is it fair to say that St. Louis is once again staking a claim as the pro wrestling capital of the world? Because some would argue that at one point, St. Louis was the pro wrestling capital of the United States of America. What do you think? It was with the original wrestling at the chase, which we'll get into with obviously our guest, the guest tonight. Uh, So, I mean, it's, it's just, uh, it's been a, it's been a great time for wrestling in St. Louis. We got so many great promotions in the St. Louis area. We've got, I mean, even Kansas, even when you were talking about Kansas city, Kansas city's popping up with a bunch of promotions. Well, well let's know? talk about that real quick. So you, you guys had Dynamo, right? right? So out East, um, out West, we had XWE shockwave, which I was fortunate enough to be on commentary for with my man, Balasong, first time young guy, Real grid-looking kid, lots of energy, did an awesome job on color. And as you mentioned before, I think the ring announce gig that Sonny Money did took so much out of him that he's still recovering now. I told him he should have drank some Pedialyte because that ring announce gig, I know you can talk about this, Big Sexy, (laughs) is not an easy gig, especially because things change so often throughout the process of a show, bro. We all know that right. during a pro wrestling show, there's so many last minute changes. And usually the last person to find out and also the most important is the ring announcer. Right. That That's true. Because I mean, I can't tell you how many times I've had people come out to my table and be like, okay, we got to change. We're, we're changing this. You know, we're changing this up. You know, this is how we're going to do things. We're going to flip flip flop matches, you know, because of things happen. But I mean, 
ring announcing people think it's like super simple but it's really not because you're kind of in control of the crowd you're the one that's guiding the show you know you you're the one that keeps everything you you try to be entertaining but then you don't try to over overpower the wrestlers so you're, you're the wrestlers are the the wrestlers are the thing but you still have to entertain so well you're absolutely right and i gotta give a shout out to dr drew abenhouse one of the best uh, um, ring announcers in the business in our area. Also, Ben Simon, another one of the very best ring announcers in our area. Chris The Voice over here on the Kansas side. Um, just truly a beautiful thing, man. And Luke, Luke Robert, you, got, you can't forget Luke Roberts. Of course, Skywalker, man. We, but we put him over way too often. So that is true. <laughs> and then look. Go I'm ahead, looking at sorry. the comments going back to the Royal Rumble thing. Uh, uh, A.W. Albro put in, let all 30 men eliminate Stan Kroenke together. I mean, that's that's just, that's, I, I know. We're... <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, I also did want to give a big shout out, uh, going back to the indie thing, um, to our friends over at Dynamic Wrestling Federation. They had their very first show over the weekend on Saturday, Big Sexy. And all the way out in St. Louis, you were hearing that they had a pretty darn good showing. So, obviously, we don't have enough time to go through every promotion that we're friends with, that we support. But at least this past weekend, we wanted to highlight those three because they're supporters of the show. And the uh, DWF who, guys were just won, on with us a won, couple who, of weeks ago. Who won the uh, – I missed it. Who won the DWF title? The one and only, the monarch, Jeremy of Wyatt. Of course. Why? <laughs> he was probably trending four, five to four on bet on Bovada. So, I mean. <laughs> well, there's no question. But there was some very stiff competition. There was Red Wing. There was Devin Thomas. There was a lot of great guys on that card. And uh, you know what, bro? Another promotion in our area is not a bad thing as long as they're doing things the right way. Because we've all been around those promotions that are kind of on the fringe. And then you you get around the Dynamos, the SICWs, uh, you get around the NWAs and the XWEs and the KCXWs and the Journey Pros, and you go, okay, this is how it's supposed to be done. You know what I mean? It's a beautiful thing to see. I, I really am appreciative. I think, didn't Cape run a show too? CCW ran a show? I think they ran some uh, uh, birthday show or something. Oh, you know what? And I'm a big old knucklehead because you're absolutely out. Sh shout out to our boy Jason Wells down there, Brandon Barbwire. And uh, El Diablo, who's, uh, you know, neither here nor there, but I like that guy. R rumor, rumor has it we might have a CCW guy coming up here in the next couple of weeks, so. Mm, uh, that could be little, fun. A little tease there. Yeah. Well, who says that promotions can't work together with talent, man? I've never right. believed that. You just got to have the right people in charge that can kind of leave their ego at the door. And, you know, that's how we grow professional wrestling, ladies and gentlemen, not by hating on each other. Would you agree with that, Big Sexy? I would agree. We just all got to get together. We just, I mean, we might not all do the exact same thing, but we're kind of do the same thing. You know, we're, we're there to entertain the fans. We're there to make people forget their troubles because this has been such a tough year, year and a half. It's going to go on two years. No question. It's been, if we can make people forget what the, what's going on for three, two, three, four, you know, four hours, you know, just. You know, have a drink, you know, have some snacks, you know, just watch some watch some good wrestling. And sometimes some of the better wrestling lately has been from the independent scene. I mean, I mean, uh, I agree wholeheartedly. Also, also, I forgot Friday night anarchy, St. Louis anarchy was running. So, I mean, 
this was a big weekend for indie indies in the Missouri area. So. Yeah, and even so, I'm sure we left one off because right. we're we're so fortunate. Rough now we're not as lucky as Haas and those guys out on the Eastern Panhandle where they got three shows every single weekend without fail. I mean, they're a little bit more spoiled than we are, but but we're getting better. And I think that's why it's so important for us to work together because we're always going to be a little hamstrung compared to you know you got Baltimore, uh, Boston, New York. New Jersey, you've got all these huge cities all within like a 300 mile radius of each other, bro. Like it's hard for us to compete right. with something like that. And, and then this weekend, Friday night is WrestleMax, WrestleMax STL. Shout and out to KLD. And Sunday is uh, Glory Pro. Oh so. my gosh, bro. Killing the game, baby. I love it. All right. Well, let me and, switch gears on and, you and, real and, quick. And, and just to say, WrestleMax. Minoru Suzuki is supposed to be there. So wow, bro, absolutely love that. He's taking on, I believe, he's taking on Calvin Tankman. So that's gonna be ugly, especially if anybody who saw Rampage last week, boy, them boys don't know how to throw down Suzuki and the Murder Hawk and all those guys. If you like that hard hitting, old school type of wrestling, like hardly race, like it really looks like it hurts. Suzuki and the guys over at WrestleMax are doing a great job of bringing that kind of talent in. But uh, I do want to switch gears and. As always, Big Sexy, um, the transition, the segue, you basically laid it out perfectly. And it's kind of a a question for those who actually pay attention, not just for fans who watch on the surface. And I am talking big companies here. And I was watching a documentary about Harley, and and they obviously bringing up like some of the toughest guys in pro wrestling history. You know, Haku came up and a few others, right? And I started to think to myself, based on what we're watching on television right now, who are the most credible badasses in wrestling? And immediately two names came to my mind, not only like backstage stuff, but like when you see them, you know, all hell's about to break loose. Now, disclaimer, I kind of left Brock Lesnar off of my list. I kind of left Goldberg off of my list. We're, we're going to bring up Goldberg when Jeremy gets here. So. Okay, we'll get there. <laughs> I like it. But I left all those guys off my list because I think some of those are very, very obvious. But I'm going to throw two names at you. I want you to tell me what you think. And then as you tell me what you think, I want you to kind of think of your own, Rodell, and tell me who you think are the two most credible badasses in wrestling. One guy, one girl. Are you down? I can try. Yeah. Well, yeah. Okay, and just as an FYI, ladies and gentlemen, for those of you who are wondering, we do have our first featured guest of the night scheduled to join us in a little bit under 10 minutes. That's right, ladies and germs. Very, very proud to have this man on. Ed Wheatley's going to be joining us. You guys know him as a film producer, a historian. He's written countless books, and we're going to get into all that with him here in just a matter of moments. Here on the Wrestle Talk Podcast, episode 364. Speak, speak, speaking of wrestling at the chase. <laughs> Indeed, yeah. If anybody knows about wrestling at the chase, it's him and Herb, and we have both of them on the show tonight, man. You gotta love it. Old school time. Old school time. Okay, so let me give you my names, and then you tell me what you think about my names, and then you give me yours. Cool. Okay. All yeah. right. For the men, I'm gonna say Miro, formerly known as Rusev. When I see Miro. I feel like the atmosphere changes, whether he's fighting Ricky Starks or he's fighting Darby Allen or Fuego de Sol or Sammy Guevara. I love the intensity that he brings to the sport. Is he the clearest on the microphone? Is he the easiest to understand? 
No. But I don't have to understand what he's saying to understand that this guy means business and he doesn't lay off of it. And, he and initially he can, can, and he can kick your ass. <laughs> and his wife is extremely flexible, as he continues to remind us. <laughs> <laughs> but what I'm saying is, dude, I love guys like that and girls like that, and I just don't feel like we see enough of it. I'm not saying that the sport is soft, but people are leaning more towards characters that are like appealing to the masses that are, that are likable, even if they're meant to be the bad guy. Hero, uh, Miro, I should say, is just there to basically perpetually whoop ass. And I like that about him because he doesn't need a lot of bells and whistles to get his point across. And he legitimately just seems like an old school badass dude that you want to fight. And on the other side, from the female perspective, I've got to give it to Shayna Baszler. Especially considering what she did to Nia Jax with the arm recently, then she did it to Eva Marie. These are two people that when I see them walk to the ring, I know this isn't going to be a fun, entertaining pro wrestling match. This is going to be an ass-kicking contest, just like when you see Minoru Suzuki come down to the ring, just like when you see Moxley come down to the ring. I really do wish we had more of these types of personas because these are the type of people that you look at and you go, whoa, I wonder if he or she's really like that off camera. Right. And it, it's a beautiful thing to watch because I think it continues to lend credibility to the sport, where in many cases, some of the other shenanigans that are happening in the current state of pro wrestling take away from the believability. So I love what they bring, that energy and that intensity by my book. And I know I could have gone with some easy names like Brock Oberg or what have you. But for me, Big Sexy, the two most credible badasses in wrestling right now are Miro and Shayna Baszler. That's I, my take. What do you think? I agree with Shayna. I mean, when Shayna came in, she was an ass kicker. She, you know, when she came into NXT, she like just literally ran through everybody and beat people. When she got called up, she kind of lost that little bit of an edge to her. I mean, that's probably writing and storylines, but but these last couple of weeks where where she was like friends with Nia and then did that, but you know, because she kind of had that look that, you know, she didn't want to do it, you know. But this week, she had no problem destroying Eva Marie's arm, you know. So, I'm hoping this is going in a great way. I kind of agree with Miro. I mean, I've never been the biggest Miro fan, but he's, for what he, for his lack of able to talk and not being so coherent, he can deliver a message. So, I think... It carries, I, I, bro. Right. Yeah, I agree. I agree. All right. So now that you've given your analysis on mine with the couple of minutes we have left here before we have our first featured guest, who would your two be? Oh, that's a toughie. About, yeah. I think the person I wouldn't want to meet in a dark alley is the for the guys is Tommaso Ciampa. There's another one. Hey, WLW's very own Tommaso right. Ciampa. I mean, How about Ciampa? That? Champa looks like he will he will chew you up, spit you out, and then chew you up and spit you out a second time. I mean, he's got and he's got those eyes too that just kind of like, and you know, I kind of like him carrying the NXT 2.0 banner temporarily, you know, because it's kind of a good transition to to the new to the new people. Um, Which, by the way, they got some great young talent down there, and it's not just Braun Breaker. 
Right. No. I mean, Braun Breaker hasn't been wrestling that long. Right. Uh, for for those that don't, Braun Breaker is a uh, Rick Steiner's son, and you can you can kind of tell by the way the, 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 it's in the eyes. You can you can tell in the eyes. But uh, yeah, he's it, it, but. I'm not quite sure I like the color of everything. Of okay. The, the whole the the color scheme kind of makes me look like I'm tripping acid. So, <laughs> what's well, that a bad thing? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, Taking it back for, to the '70s, bro. But for females, I'm trying to think. You know, um, let, let, let me let me buy you some time very quickly here. Whenever you saw King Kong, Brody. Whenever you saw Harley race and you were in the stands, you take a slight step back because you're afraid that these guys might actually be the persona they portray. I guess what I'm getting at with this whole topic is I think we need more of it. We need more of those people who look like they would legitimately kick your ass in a back alley the way that you said it. And they're there because people will, you know, some of the older crowds, some some of the OGs of the sport will say, oh, wrestling's soft now. It's not what it used to be. Well, yes and no. You just have to know where to look because right. there are totally some legit badasses out there. And just because Biggie Langston comes out and does the gyration and the twerking doesn't mean that he wouldn't be one of those guys. It's just his character doesn't necessarily lend itself to that, which is where I think the problem is. Because you take a Big E and make him a serious character, then you have a Bobby Lashley type character, right? And which know, I'm he, very impressed by, since he got serious and stopped all the nonsense. He's been yeah, very you, you good. Don't, you don't need two Bobby Lashleys. You 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 just need Big E to turn it on when he needs to turn it on. So he needs to turn on the serious whenever he's turned. You know. But you know what? As a female, I'm thinking, I think someone I wouldn't want to meet in a dark alley, and she's kind of veered off course from what she was too. Is uh, Rhea Ripley very very good? Well, you happen to agree with one of our listeners here tonight, who also brought it up here. Uh, we got a Drew McIntyre and Rhea Ripley, but yeah, Rhea when she's doing her thing and, and not teaming with um, with Nikki Ash, she's also a very very credible, serious competitor. That when they enter the room, you know that they enter the room. They they have what this what what many. Uh, um, uh, people would call an aura, an aura of intensity, and I think we need more of that in the sport, big sexy. And, and also, probably another person would be uh, Jade Cargill from AEW. I think she's she's a legit. Um, Britt Baker, Britt Baker gets all of the uh, the, props the accolades, AEW, all the props. Which well deserved, well deserved, very well deserved. She's got that DMD character perfectly down, you know. Right, so, and and a quick comment here from our boy Rough Cut Rick Ruby. He says, it's kind of hard to look like a badass when you have a kaleidoscope light shining at you during the 2.0. <laughs> Yo, he's been on a rampage ever since NXT debuted their no look. Maybe we'll have him on in the second hour briefly so he can really go in or maybe even during the shoot and shout segment. But um, I would be remiss, Big Sexy, if we didn't transition because we do have a special guest waiting. But before we get there, let's go ahead and bring in a guy that is near and dear to my heart. He's also the proprietor of the I-70 Sports Media Empire. Ladies and gentlemen, one of our prestigious and beloved co-hosts right here on the Wrestle Talk Podcast. And the Bill one Col and only. Ah, don't interrupt the Sorry. introduction. 
the one and only, the maestro, Jeremy Cobb. Awesome. You forgot to you forgot to mention he's Bill Goldberg's biggest fan. The president of the Bill Goldberg fan club. All right, Big Sexy, are you hanging with us, bro? Are you going to catch no, me on the rest head, of the I'm show? I'm about to head out. I'm heading over to a friend's house to watch the card. Rest, rest of the, the podcast. Yes, rest we know. Yes. Rest of the podcast, rest yes. of the Cardinal games. <laughs> Maestro, how are you doing? We, we can't hear you. Yeah, he's going to unmute himself. No worries. All right, take it easy, Big Sexy. Hopefully right, you enjoy the rest of the show, it, brother. It was good hanging with you. I hope we get to see you when you come to St. Louis. So, Hey, man, uh, God willing, we'll see you there in January, brother. All Adios. Right, brother. Talk to you soon. Maestro, how are we doing, buddy? You got your audio situation situated? Uh, not yet, my guy. Nothing yet. Well, listen, I'm going to go. Hey, shout out to Rick Maverick. Uh, we're going to give you a second to get that sorted out. Uh, Rick Maverick, thank you for being here. Really appreciate you, my guy. Also, Rough Cut Rick, uh, Rough Cut Rick Ruby, uh, Susie Haas, Aaron Wallace, uh, John... Um, Sonny Mayo, Luchador de Kansas City, and I got a couple of more that I can't look up anymore. But long story short, thank you guys so much for supporting us today during episode 364 of the Wrestle Talk podcast. And uh, by the way, we do have some news coming next week concerning the host lineup. Um, Joe's got some big news for us concerning. Uh, the Wrestle Talk podcast. So hopefully we'll have the originator, the creator, uh, the original voice of the Wrestle Talk podcast with us next week. So you can kind of give everybody an update of what's going on with him. I will tell you guys that he's working on Tuesday nights now. So it's made it rather difficult for him to join us. But he's going to bring you guys a full-fledged update next week on what his status is. Because I know a lot of people have been asking. So... Uh, with that said, let's go ahead and try to see if we can bring the maestro back in. Maestro, how you doing audio yeah. wise, my guy? Yeah, baby, let's go! Yeah. Let's go! The crowd goes wild! <laughs> Brother, I'm going to give you a quick second to tell us how you've been because the man of the hour is waiting and we're four minutes behind schedule already. So, you're doing good, bro, and are you ready? to get into that introduction because I'm going to let you lead it. Awesome. I always love doing the intros. I'm doing great. Had a blast Saturday night commentating for Dynamo Pro Wrestling Show at Concordia Turner's. Oh, my gosh. It was an absolutely great time. Um, amazing people in that company, and I look forward to getting to do it again. But, hell, I'm doing great. How about you, Night Owl? Dude, hey, listen, like I told my man, Big Sexy, I'm sharper than a number two pencil on test day, and I'm more official than a referee with a golden whistle. Oh, It's just my fantasy. Yeah, yeah sorry, my fantasy game is not doing very well. So we'll talk about that later. Though. <laughs> That's oh, yeah. a whole we'll other podcast. Absolutely. Well, you know what? I'm going to go ahead and give you the floor, brother. Why don't you go ahead and do the appropriate and respectful introduction for our first featured mm-hmm. guest of the evening, the one and only Ed Wheatley. Take it away, Maestro. All righty. All right, ladies and gentlemen, this gentleman has received many recognitions for the books he's written. He was recognized by the St. Louis Post-Dispatch themselves in 2020 for writing one of the top 25 books of the year. He is also a member of 
the St. Louis Browns historical fan group, of which I am a part of as well, and it's a great pleasure. But he has written a new book, which we'll talk about tonight, titled Wrestling at the Chase. Ladies and gentlemen, it is my pleasure in the night house to welcome to the Wrestle Talk podcast, Ed Wheatley. Glad to be here, guys. Looking forward to it. So lots to How talk you about. doing, Ed? It's great seeing you. Yeah, um, doing well. I mean, the, the book just came out this weekend. Uh, many events planned, many wrestling events, book signing events. It's, uh, you know, those four words, wrestling at the chase, instantaneous bring a smile and a memory to everyone, you know, in town. It's just, you know, it it was, you know, you talked about in the in the previous segment, I was sitting there watching, you know, this these wrestlers with an aura. There were none better than those who appeared on Wrestling at the Chase. Absolutely. It was considered basically kind of like how uh, Lambert Airport's considered, you know, the big hub of airports in the Midwest. Uh, wrestling at the Chase was considered the wrestling hub, you know. Well, you didn't really right, make I mean, it you know, until you were in St. Louis. Well, I mean, yeah, so many of them. You know, and I have the introduction in the book from all the, you know, the great wrestlers. And they all said, you know, you had to go to, to St. Louis. You had to get on Wrestling at the Chase. I mean. It wasn't just the wrestling at the chase because generally the the, the weekend before, you know, uh, Keel Auditorium was sold out. Uh, Eighteen, nineteen thousand screaming fans at, at events regularly. St. Louis was, for thirty years, the wrestling capital of the world. You know, it's you know this wasn't just a, a regional shtick. I mean, with Sam Muchnick and how he ran the NWA, and it all came out of St. Louis. You know, they all knew this was the place to be, and. That's the beauty of this this book, this history that, uh, you know, was able to bring back these special times, these special moments. Absolutely. Now, I think the first thing I really want to ask about your new book, mm-hmm. what really got you into writing this book? Now, you're an author, you're a best-selling author. You've done plenty of publications on wrestling and on sports in general. But what in particular, because it's not the first book written about wrestling at the chase, but what makes this one different and what drew you into wanting to do this? Well, really, you know, I, uh, you know, I've written pretty many uh, baseball books. I've made pretty many uh, baseball films for PBS and, you know, we've had very much success there. And as you mentioned, um, Larry Matisic, the longtime great announcer of wrestling at the chase, he um, had written a book uh, early two thousands about, uh, Wrestling at the Chase was the title, and it was his little stories and memories. And, you know, I've won a a lot of awards. The Browns book was the best book published in 2017. The recent one, as you said, was one of the top 25 of 2020. And I do a style like a a, um, coffee table book. You know, they're big, uh, and I load these things up with pictures. I mean, you you know, you can see, you know, all these little, little – as I flip through, I mean, I'll have four or 500, 700 pictures going and telling the story. Well, Larry Matisic always wanted to do a coffee table book, but as you know, he got sick and had this illness and it never happened. So I just wrapped up uh, my last book and uh, a film and Larry Matisic, his wife, Herb Simmons came to me talking about Larry always wanted this kind of book. And I started thinking about it. You know, I talked to uh, Bob Costas, a friend of mine, as you you know, he had some involvement. And I talked to the Gargiola family, the Muchnick family, uh, Larry's 
wife and, and, and family. And it was like, everybody was, would you please do it? Uh, and, you know, as, as you got into it, you know, in our society right now, you know, wrestling is big, of course, but we also need happy thoughts. And, you know, like I said a moment ago, those four words, wrestling at the chase, bring immediately bring happy thoughts to people. I mean, it was a simpler time, you know, the 60s, the 70s and the 80s when it was on and, you know, came on in 1959. And, you know, this was a time when you had one television set in your house, a big old wooden box with a real tiny console TVs. <laughs> right. And you had the rabbit ears on top. Some people put aluminum foil between them. But because you had only one TV in a house, it was a place of congregating and bonding around one special sh show. You know, you got to remember, before Channel 11 came on in St. Louis, this one of the greatest independent stations in the country, there was only three channels. So there wasn't much to watch. And here came this show. And, you know, uh, you guys talked about in the in the previous segment, you know, an aura. I mean, you know, you're talking to guys like Lou Fez, Pat O'Connor, you know, Dick the Bruiser, you know, Cowboy Bob Ellis. And then along comes, you know, Ric Flair, uh, you know, Harley Race, King Kong Brody. And then, you know, eventually you, you had the Rock's dad, Rocky Johnson. And, you know, even, uh, you know, all of them, they, they were there. It was the place to be seen. And, you know, and so many people lent these stories. They brought memorabilia. It was, you know, you had to quick go to, you know, people, kids complain. We had to go to early church so my mom and dad and grandma could get back to see Wrestling the Chase when it was re-aired <laughs> on Sunday morning. You know, I never get to sleep late. But it's it's those memories and very good wrestling. These These people, who they were, you know. Uh, when they when they were on the show, they were the tops in the country came to St. Louis. And, you know, it's just a, a great memory. And, you know, many people say what we have that Vince McMahon took off as Sam Muchnick retired and cable TV came in and evolved with the video game atmosphere and pay-per-view. You would never have had that had Sam Muchnick not built this base. Without a doubt, Sam Munchnik was a pioneer in the wrestling industry. Mm -hmm. Now, you, as well as Herb and myself, mm -hmm. were all at the recent uh, NWA 73 show, which was almost, right. which was basically with, you know, the first wrestling or first wrestling event at the Chase in about 30 some odd years. That's correct. For That's you. Correct. Yeah, for you. <laughs> and I know I'll probably ask this to Herb later on in this evening, but for you, to be back in that ballroom and at the same table you sat at was the original ring bell that was used at wrestling at the chase. You know, we've been talking about our auras all, you know, evening. And I, I should have you know, into my office. It's downstairs. Uh, I still have it. Uh, I mean, yeah. what was it for you? For me, it, it was a feeling like no other because I never did get to originally experience wrestling at the chase. I'm 26. So by then, you know, the St. Louis wrestling club had folded, but for you, what was it like being back in that ballroom with the old school setting, the old school style. And on top of that, you know, just so many greats from the era of wrestling at the chase being in attendance. Well, I think first of all, the bell was the, was the thing. I mean, you know, when I had it both days at the fan fest and then I had it there, uh, you know, Saturday night and Sunday night, everybody wanted to ring it. But, you know, first of all, 
it's got that magical tone that immediately kind of like a Pavlov's dog thing. You think wrestling at the chase when you hear it because it's such a unique ring. And, you know, what I thought as I was there, and, you know, I have been to many, many social gatherings, you know, of dinners and, you know, uh, Albert Pujols' big uh, event every year, which is held in the chorus and room there, the same room for the uh, wrestling at chase. So, I mean, I've been there, you know, in tuxedos and things. And that took me back. You know, Lou Fez, Pat O'Connor, all these wrestlers talked about, you know, in the late 50s, the 60s, they would be in kind of like dank arenas or, or cow palaces. And then you came to the Coruscant room of the Chase Park Plaza to wrestle under these fabulous chandeliers Beautiful. wrestling. Where, you know, the next night there would be the, the biggest social ball in town. And that's what I think, you know, we talked about this in the book. The, the chase was, you know, it was the, its motto was the chase was the place, the place to be. And, you know, it had one of the top nightclubs in, 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 in America, the Chase Club, and Frank Sinatra, Rosemary Clooney, Dean Martin, Sammy Davis Jr., Nat King Cole. They would all play there, of course. But the hottest ticket was not to Frank Sinatra. It was to wrestling at the chase. And that's what, you know, people went after. I mean, it was, you know, and, 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 you know, you would call your girlfriend and say, I got tickets to the chase, get ready. You know, and people came all dressed up. You know, he had women in evening gloves and evening gowns and men all dressed up in suits. And she might think she's going to see Frank Sinatra, but no, they, they went and <laughs> sat ringside. You know, she may get a little spray of sweat or spit, you know, but that's that was the beauty of it all. It was the thing that made this must-see TV, you know, we talked about in the in the 80s and the 90s, you know, NBC, Seinfeld and all that, must-see TV. Saturday night, must-see TV, wrestling at the chase. And the thing that parallels Saturday Night Live, you know how you have to turn your name in for the raffle to get tickets to go to Saturday Night Live? Right. Yeah. You, got, you could go in free, but you had to get on this raffle list. You might have to wait three months, six months, but... You got there and, you know, you got to be on wrestling at the chase. I mean, it was just so iconic. And then to have Dick the Bruiser, you know, all these guys, you know, and it's kind of like I put it into three stratas of the three decades. You know, like I said earlier, you know, Luthez, Pat O'Connor. Then you get the Dick Bruiser, Bob Ellis, the Funks, uh, you know, Von Erich's era. And then, you know, comes King Kong, Brody, Ric Flair and the others. So you saw generational levels of wrestling at the chase as well. Yeah, totally. Um, you know, it's interesting. My grandpa told me, and this is a testament. He's 90, but, um, and he told me he remembers actually seeing gorgeous George down at, uh, at the chase back in the day. Oh, gorgeous just, George was there. Uh, you it know, they, blew they were, my mind because Marty Rogers, and I'll give you a gorgeous right. George. Let me give you a gorgeous George story that nobody really recognizes or remembers. Okay. You know how wrestling, you know, wrestling go, actually, you know, I'll give you a couple of facts and I'll get, lead into this gorgeous George story. You know, wrestling goes back thousands of years. I mean, it, it, you can find it in caveman drawings. You can find it in Egyptian pyramids, Babylonian mosaics. And then you have the Greeks, the Romans, and, you know, the Olympics. But do you know where? Tell America here where the first free form wrestling in Olympic times took place. 1904 Olympics, <laughs> just across the street from the Chase Park Plaza in Forest Park. 
I mean, that fell out of I fell out of the seat when I wow. found that. Or you know, go to Oof. go to Genesis 34, I think it is, and you got Isaiah wrestling in the Bible. So, you know, and then wrestling was this kind of Greco-Roman kind of tag and push upper body. Vaudeville comes in the 1920s, and you know, Roaring 20s puts a little we want a little life, and that's when you know, kind of freestyle wrestling really took off. And then you came into the 40s and the in the 50s, and Sam Muchnick put the rules around it. But back to Gorgeous George. We all know Muhammad Ali, right? Of course. And right. his stick, I am the greatest, and his stick in the in the ring and his you know, bum of the month club. And I'll, you know, if you can beat me, I'll <laughs> crawl over to you and kiss your feet. You know where he got that from? Gorgeous George. Right after he won the gold medal Olympic medal, he was at a gorgeous George wrestling match in Las Vegas. And he was watching Gorgeous George and how he played the crowd and had everybody either hating him or loving him. And you know, he just played the crowd with his screaming and antics. He went backstage and Gorgeous George told him, You do what I do, and they will you will be the champ forever. People, you will ride the mountain. And and that's a true story. Muhammad Ali adopted his stick off Gorgeous George. Now that's unbelievable. I mean, these that, are the kind of stories that I stories he's sprinkling in. Amazing. <laughs> wow. The book is full of these kind of things. You know, finding the the first Olympic wrestling free form across the street from the chase. You know, uh, it, it's just there are so many little tidbits like that. Well, it's interesting. See, I did not know the. Um, one about the 1904 Olympics, about how first free free uh free for all mm-hmm. wrestling match took place um in the 1904 Olympics in Forest Park. Mm-hmm. I didn't know the story about Gorgeous George and Muhammad Ali, and that's only because you know being a sport a big time sports guy, I've mm-hmm. spent many a nights just randomly looking up history and research historical moments in time, and that's just how I stumbled upon it. But right. no matter how much I hear it. It still awesome. blows my mind because it's it's from an unlikely place. Right. You wouldn't think Muhammad Ali, you know, who I do consider the greatest athlete of all time, got that, you know, the I am the greatest from Gorgeous George, a professional wrestling mm-hmm. manager. Right. Um, I have one last question, and then I know the night owl over there is really getting getting excited. Um, you know, about the book. Yes. Uh, current wrestling chase book so you know to make it a coffee table book Mm -hmm. it has to be on a scale unlike any other book that you would just find on a shelf at a store right Right. because does it have to be not just exactly not just in the size and scope but in the content and as you can see on the screen folks it you can get your copy today um so with that said, and with the nature of it, what were some complications that you may have had when it came to getting material for the book? I know you had talked to a lot of people. Was there any true, you know, bump in the road trying to make sure this was as best of a book as you could get out there? You know, <laughs> it's it, it. You know, the thing that I, I have to chuckle because just Friday I was given about 400 pictures from and I can't tell you how many hundreds of letters and <laughs> posters from Sam Muchnick's estate from one oh, of his gosh. family members that I'd been saying hey you got any more pictures you got any reports it happens like every time every book I write 
after it's done, you get all this material. But, you know, that is one of the biggest problems with writing a book, especially a coffee table book where you put hundreds of, of photos, is getting the permissions, the licensing. Um, you know, you got Getty Images buying up everything and, you know, then charging you. But I really, you know, in the world of baseball, I got connections and everybody helps me. I had hesitancy at first about this because could, could we get the, what is needed to make it the way I want it, the quality I want it, and the quality that's, you know, won all the awards for my other books and movies. And um, it's, it, it is uh, amazing, A, how much people wanted this book for the pictures, the memories, and B, how, how much people went digging and finding uh, things for me and bringing them to me. I mean, you know, when I write a book, people will be dropping by my house with a box full of memorabilia books and things. You know, I had people calling me from all over. I hear you. You're, you're working on this. I've got this. You might want to look at it. And then Herb Simmons, who, you know, Sam passed many things to Larry. Larry passed them to Herb. And Herb made them uh, available to me. And it couldn't be done without, you know, Herb's help and uh, contribution, you know, and that's what recognized in the book. And, you know, this book is already uh, launched. Uh, 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 we're, we're in the process. You know, as I said, the Browns book was the, was the best book published in baseball by, by many uh, rec- recognitions and awards. And we made a PBS Movie. We actually made two PBS movies because the first one set all kinds of records and you know won Emmy nominations and awards. And we are in the process of filming a documentary for PBS on wrestling at the chase based on my book and all this collection of things that you spoke of. Wonderful. Yeah. And Herb, you know, I look forward to having him on tonight because he is he's one of a kind. And it doesn't surprise me one bit that he had all kinds of stuff, especially from Larry, to hand over to you. I'm telling you, you know. So that's great. And I'm glad you went through so much time and effort. And I'm glad so many people were able to work in conjunction with you to put together this. Honestly, this just, I consider it a historical artifact because it contains so much that people do not know about wrestling at the chase and the importance that it has, not just in the wrestling industry, but honestly, in the history of St. Louis. Oh yeah. I mean, it was, it, it, you know, I said there's like three legs of a stool. The first leg, it's supported, but the wrestling of the chase is supported by three legs. One leg is the history of the Chase Park Plaza and that Forest mm-hmm. Park area and what it really became. The second one is the evolution of television in St. Louis so that you could have yeah. Channel 11. And then the third leg is, this, is Sam Muchnick and his stable of wrestlers and how that all came together and it really was the beacon of wrestling to the rest of the world. And it all happened from St. Louis. It really did. Well, Renee, I know you've been sitting there ever so patiently and I know you still got something you want to say to the man himself, Mr. Ed Wheatley. So go for it, my friend. I do. And I know you already said this maestro, but Ed, thank you so much for taking the time uh, to be here today. Um, Obviously, you know, um, we're respecters, or, or we have a great amount of respect for the history of the sport. And because of kind of our age, I'm 37, J- Jeremy's going to be 27, like we cover a lot of the new stuff, but I get a particular joy 
out of getting uh, the opportunity to learn more about the history because you don't know where you're going unless you know where you've been. And I know you're a big proponent of making sure that we keep that history alive. Would you agree with that? Oh, absolutely. And I consider myself a sports historian. And, you know, I mean, that's why I said, you know, I dug back to cavemen, the Bible, the Quran, all have wrestling history. And I, you know, I document how wrestling arrived in the lobby of, of the Chase Park Plaza. Where had it been? And what were the things that brought it to what we then saw in that chant, that story? And that's like I talked about how it changed, you know, as it evolved, like into the 1920s, the post-World War One, as, you know, vaudeville and the Roaring Twenties came and changed it. You know, and then I carry it once wrestling at the chase went off the air as Sam and Larry left the program and Vince McMahon, you know, I transitioned it because there was another change. As I spoke earlier, you had the 1980s came with cable TV and, you know, wrestling's on how many channels every night you had the action of video games had to be brought into the ring compared to the very stoic, you know, very tough wrestling of uh, Sam Muchnick and, you know, pay-per-view introduced another thing. But I mean, I also go digging and, you know, one of my favorite pictures in the whole book, uh, I'll look and see if I can find it real quick, but it, I mean, you know, this, this was, this is one, this was Keel auditorium on any given night uh, for a wrestling match. Uh, you know, this, this is history. But one of my favorite photos and, you know, is um, Dick the Bruiser. And, you know, again, you know, people would ask me, hey, was he one of you, who was your favorite? I might say him because he was of my genre. This is the uh, early 1950s Green Bay Packer team in which Dick the Bruiser played. And if you can look there and you see right in the middle, number 72, look at, yep. look at the size of him <laughs> compared oh, to. Wow, look at that chest. Green, yes, the Green Bay Packers. Calhoun, <laughs> Deacon <laughs> Jones. All of these guys were athletes, and most of them had played uh, some level of college or professional football in the NFL or up in Canada. And you know, that's the kind of stuff I, you know, how many people knew this, you know, kind of maniac guy, Dick the Bruiser? I mean, you know. You know, he'd hop out of the ring, take a pitcher of beer, pour it on his head, do a little shake of his head and run back in. Is he cool? Uh, you know, play for the Green Bay Packers for several years. You know? <laughs> it's, a, it's, it's just all these little innuendos you find that's, you know, pretty amazing. And, <clears throat> and then we had players associated with the program. We talk about Larry, how great of an announcer he was. But, you know, Joe Gargiola. Joe Gargiola, before he went to the Today Show, he was the first announcer, you know. And then his brother Mickey uh, was the, you know, was the ring announcer. And you know, I mean, he was a legend. You know, the stories of Mickey throughout the three decades is just, it was just unbelievable. So <clears throat> it's 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 just so much fun. All these memories of, like I said, four words: wrestling at the chase. It does wonders to to people's you know, genre and, you know, it, it's just a good pause with what all we have to do in our society today. 
Oh, there's no question about it, Ed, and I appreciate you sharing that. And as I'm sitting here listening to the maestro ask you all these these great questions, and I want to thank you, maestro, for being prepared for today because when we have guests like this, we got to be ready to go. But it kind of got my gears turning, and I do have some pre-written questions, but something just popped into my mind uh, in in connection with traditional sport and professional wrestling. So I kind of want to pick your brain on a very broad subject that I'm sure you have a very – Uh, unique insight on it. And here it is. Um, Obviously, we all know that the trajectory of professional wrestling right now is like this. Not only is is WWE not contending with any other wrestling company, really, they're contending with the NFL, with the NBA, and with other major forms of entertainment. You also have AEW that is absolutely rocking it from a ratings perspective. I mean, not like back in the 90s, but from today's standards, they're doing rather well and continuing to improve. Unfortunately, another sport that you've written about, um, baseball, a lot of people contend that it's actually on the opposite end of that spectrum and that baseball, unfortunately, is on somewhat of a decline. So being that I get to pick the grain of a, a brain of a guy that is, is a historian in baseball but also wrestling, I'm going to ask you this question. Ed, what does baseball need to do to turn the ship around if you indeed agree with the perception that the trajectory of baseball is kind of on a downward turn right now, what would somebody like you who's been around both for so long suggest for Major League Baseball so that they can replicate what professional wrestling has been doing over the last 10 or 15 years? Well, you know, you go back in history, you know, baseball's been around since the 1800s, but if you really like say, hey, from the 1920s up to 1960, baseball had it all to itself. There was really no massive NFL, NBA, NHL. So now, in a way, they got to learn how to play in the sandbox uh, with the other kids, which I, which is wrestling, hockey, basketball, and football. You know, all you have to do is drive around. When I was a kid playing, you know, and I grew up, my dad played professional baseball and all this stuff. You know, you could not find during a day kids out playing baseball at the local park by themselves, you know, just pick up games. And when I grew up, you were the one of the first 18 there in the morning, or you had to wait till somebody left or had to go home for lunch. You don't see kids out playing baseball anymore. You know, I go into schools and I talk uh, about some of the books. I also talk about what it's being an author. And I'll say something about how many people watched the Cardinals last night. So many people, uh, Kids tell me they don't watch it. And, you know, some of that is ethnic related. You know, there are different segments of ethnicity. They don't watch baseball. Uh, it's not their their uh, concern right now. And baseball's got to learn how to get those different ethnicities. They also got to speed up the game. You know, wrestling is speed. Hockey is speed. Uh, you know, that's what it is right now. People's patience. Uh, baseball's a little slow. It's still a great game if you know what it is, but unfortunately, like you said, it's not drawing. And it's, uh, you know, baseball is trying so many different things. They may shoot themselves, you know, as they try to change the game with some of their new rules, you know, seven innings, double headers, men on second base, extra inning. Uh, That's terrible. You know, people (laughs) play a lot of these things, you know. A pitcher's got to pitch, so – you know, it's it is a question: Can baseball survive? Not just how; can, it's a can. You know, uh, so you're absolutely right. Well, I guess um, 
just just thinking based on, on, on your response, I would say it really comes down to two things. I, I don't know if you agree with me. I think the pace of the game and the speed mm-hmm. is number one. It's mm-hmm. just slower compared to everything else. You can complain about, you know, football or a.k.a. soccer that it's, you know, well, they only score once a game. It's boring, but the, the action is nonstop. Right. So right. that that kind of has an advantage to itself. But the second thing and the most important thing, in my opinion, I think is baseball's lack of ability of building stars. In the NBA, even if you're not an NBA fan, you can name three to five NBA stars at any given time and any given moment. Can we really do that with baseball? We know we can definitely do it with football because the guy, is he, the maestro's trying, <laughs> and I'm not sure if he can. Now, I know you follow baseball closely, but for the casual fan – I think it's really been a struggle, and I think it's unfortunate because baseball is a beautiful game, and if they just kind of replicate a little bit of maybe kind of what Muhammad Ali did or for you younger guys out there that watch the show, kind of Conor McGregor copying the Vince right. walk and the promo style. I mean, even Conor McGregor, Ed, has admitted that he kind of maybe bit a little bit of Vince McMahon's style with what he did. And again, MMA has been very good about building their stars. Every other sport, I think it's just baseball that's lagging behind. I know we got uh, Tatis and a few other guys that are great, but I think they just need to get better at that and tell more compelling stories. Well, I think, so, yeah, there's a lot. You don't have a Reggie Jackson, Mr. October or things. But, you know, part of it is growing up and for decades, players were, the, were with a team for a career, you know, using Albert Pujols here as an example in St. Louis. You know, phenomenal player. He would he owned the town, but he left. This free agency of leaving and all that. And you know, it's it's also the ticket prices have gotten so high and outrageous for people to yes. And when you're sitting there and a guy like Alex Cole or Trevor Bauer, who's not even playing anymore, signs a thirty-five million dollar uh, contract, uh, and he's going to pitch probably thirty to thirty-five times a game a year. That means when I'm paying this high price of a ticket, watching a man get a million dollars for going out there and throwing five or six innings. I mean, I'll do it for, you know, 50,000 bucks, you know. Um, But I mean, I I think there's this thing in baseball. When you look at the salaries to uh, what these guys are making to the people, you know, you can't even what it costs to bring your family to a baseball game. And I know it's, uh, football and basketball right. and hockey have these higher prices. Hockey doesn't have quite as much, but when you play 162 games and you're taking, you know, your family of, of four to get in, you know, and then, you know, some refreshments while you're there for those three or four hours. And, you know, the, it's, it's that, I think, you know, I hear all these stories. We go back to the Browns, you know, or the Cardinals, the Knothole gang, the Browning brigade, the kids got in free. And they flocked out of school and hopped on the streetcars right. and headed to Sportsman's Park for those 230 games. And, you know, that's where they evolved the love of baseball, you know. And, you know, they today, I will say, in, 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 in talking with some of the Cardinal owners and things, they've taken out some seats. And they've put in beer guards because in, in the instance all across the major league, baseball for millennials has become a social event not an event to go watch the game. They'll go in and they'll sit in a, in a beer garden with big TVs and, you know, have the specialty drinks, watching it in there with their friends instead of sitting in the seats, keeping score, watching the game. Yeah, you're absolutely yeah. right. And I, I hope that doesn't change, Maestro. I know you want to jump in here, 
But yeah, I, I, for for the life of me, I can't understand why baseball hasn't tried some of these things, particularly the star building, because we all know that all sports is star driven. And unless you have more Tatises or more Pujols, and, and I hate to say it, I know that this rubs people the wrong way, but Barry Bonds or uh, McGuire or Sosa, if we don't have more stuff like that happening, I think, unfortunately, baseball may be a little bit too late to the party in trying to replicate what uh, pro wrestling has been doing over the last couple of years. Yeah. 1998, you know, we didn't have the, uh, you know, the, the the iPhones where we could immediately look and see what the teams were doing in other uh, cities. But, I mean, 1998, that, that month of August and September, you couldn't wait to get the newspaper. Did McGuire get one? Did Sosa get one? I mean, huge. It huge. was the whole world fascinating. Wow, wow, you guys do that. That reminds me of something. Memorabilia-wise. Uh-oh, I think he's bringing something to the table, Ed. Mm-hmm. I, I think the Maestro is going to show off here in just a second. Well, before we let him do that, and we'll let him close out with that, I actually want to play a, a little bit of a game based on the book because we definitely want to highlight the book. That's, again, guys, Wrestling at the Chase by our friend Ed Wheatley. It's a coffee topper, which are my favorite kind of books. I love having books not only to read but like to kind of show off to friends when they come over. Absolutely wonderful, and they last a lifetime. They're heavy. They're great to hold when you're a bigger guy like me. You don't want some fragile little book, or especially you don't want to read stuff off your phone. That that doesn't even feel the same. But, well, yeah. We, they, we use a quality cover and quality paper. That's the other thing that gets us a lot of – that brings out the brilliance of the pictures. Would love that. Well, speaking of the pictures, thank you for the great segue. I'm actually going to share a few more pictures with your permission, and they're from your book. When you see them, just give us like a short kind of like an ink blot test type of deal. When you see these pictures, just in a few words, tell us what's the first thing that comes to your mind. Is that okay with you, Ed? Sure. sure. All right, let's do it. Here's the first one. King Kong Brody, you know, it's just, it's the action. It's the hair of King Kong Brody flying, you know, the kicks, you know, you got, it's, it's just intense action. Intense action. And shame on anybody who thinks the old school had no athleticism. Allow this picture from Wrestling at the Chase by Ed Wheatley serve as evidence, and I'm speaking to the jury here, that yes, there was athleticism, but the guys decided to tell a story in a little bit of a different fashion. But they could very well do this kind of stuff, guys. This picture, I think, demonstrates it perfectly. Here's the next one for you. You know, this is, you know, getting in the later days of uh, wrestling. You know, you got Andre the Giant and, you know, you got the tag team match and you got the guys coming in from the other. But, I mean, I think when you when you talk about what we just spoke about a minute ago, legends, is there any bigger legend than Andre the Giant? You know, uh, you always go, you know, and the thing about him, he crosses lines. I always think of when I see Andre the Giant or that picture on his face there, you know my first reaction was, What's that, Ed? hey, lady, you remember from The Princess Bride? Well, of course. <laughs> he rides up and goes, He's so amazing. To, the, to the princess, hey, lady. I mean, hey, I see that in his <laughs> face and his voice right there. <laughs> I love it. I got another one pumping up for you, Ed. All right. You know, tell me this doesn't hurt. Taylor you know? Kowalski, man, yeah. one of my favorites. T- tell me that doesn't hurt, you know. I mean, right, this, this is the real deal of wrestling in the in the golden age of wrestling. That 
you know, these guys, as we said, two, two pictures ago, this pure athleticism. But, I mean, this just shows you and why I wanted this. This is the kind of action you see throughout the book, these types of pictures we picked. And, you know, you know whether there is, you know, some staging and sticking, that's still a pop to your chin and chest. Exactly. There's certain things that you can orchestrate and there's some things that you can't. And when you get kicked in the chin, <laughs> there's no need to sell, ladies and gentlemen. And that's why people would go ringside to see this stuff. Absolutely. Said, the lady might get a little spray out of the mouth on her, her evening gown, but hey, she was there. It's a parting gift. Yeah. <laughs> All right, let's bring the maestro back in here because I know he was super fired up. Bro, I know there was something you wanted to share with us. We only have a couple of minutes left. Why don't you go ahead and bring it to the table, Maestro? It won't take long. So I got, you know, Ed, you know me being big on sports. I have a big memorabilia collection, big card collection. What some also don't know is I collect a lot of newspapers. Now I got stuff back when Kennedy was assassinated, Nixon impeached. Mm -hmm. I also have a lot of sports newspapers. And one of them, I have a lot from 1998. This one happens to be from Wednesday, September 9th, 1998. Yeah. Yep. Wow. I was there. I a whole bunch from that year. So, and this happens to be one of them. So, when you guys mentioned when uh, Renee mentioned Mark McGuire, I was like, "Oh, I know, I have this somewhere." But I got. <laughs> I, I got that. I was sitting along the third baseline, but by uh, just above the the visitors' dugout, and you know, the first what three, four, five innings, nothing was happening, and then he hit that. Shot, you know, they were playing the Cubs, of course. Who better to dig of it in? Of course, yeah, and that ball, you just saw it, and you know, because usually you're used to these boom mammoth high ones. Remember, you yep. remember he hit, uh, this he one was a the, line drive with the band aid on deep center field where he, he hit the yeah. post dispatch line. And this one, you know, it just kind of it was hit hard, but that line drive and it just made it by inches. And you know, it was like he did it. He did it, you know. All right, so two things. And I don't know if you realize this. The younger crowd will understand what I'm saying when I say this. What you just did is called a low-key floss. <laughs> that means without intentionally trying to, you just totally destroyed the maestro's little newspaper. He's like, yeah, I was on the third baseline, you know. <laughs> like, very cool. We're super jealous. You didn't You're even the man. Mind, but it's not. No. It's not. <laughs> Oh, dude, that that's absolutely incredible. I I love that. <laughs> I, um, I think that's great, man. You know, well, one of the Ed, things you can, yeah, go ahead. Oh, I was gonna say when you're we were mentioning about things that baseball could do to really you know spice up, get some pizzazz. I mean, you know, this some of the things the St. Louis Browns did in their later years. Um, oh. they, fans could come in and manage the game for them. They would make the calls on what to do. Grandstand manager night. Yeah, manager night, and one time it actually led to the Browns beating the Yankees. How mm-hmm. that happened? Hell, I don't know, but it worked. <laughs> well, they brought in they brought in a little guy. You know, the other thing he, Bill Beck mm-hmm. did, and that's he's you know we're having our luncheon this year. We have an annual luncheon, and uh, Mike Beck, his son's coming in to talk about all the things his dad did at the Browns and then the White Sox. He, you know, yeah, the little guy. Eddie Goodell back Goodell. three foot seven inches, but he would also after every game there could be a, the, the the game's over and the gates open and here comes tigers and ele- uh, elephants and giraffes they'd have a circus. <laughs> Our sweet Georgia oh, Brown would start playing on the on the speakers and the, and men are covering coming in carrying a basketball court and here comes the Harlem Globetrotters. Our 
when they went up to uh, war, uh, Chicago, remember Disco Demolition Night? You know, everybody oh, brought the disco oh, records man. and they blew them up. Uh, That's something Renee would do. Yeah, absolutely. Count me in. <laughs> Dude, I would absolutely love that. Uh, but, Maestro, I don't have one more question. Did you have anything else for Ed? Because I know we, we have to transition to break, and then obviously we got Herb coming up in just a couple of minutes. What do you got for Ed? I was just gonna, well, first I was just going to say um, I'm hoping I'd love to be able to attend that uh, St. Louis Browns uh, gathering this year. So I know I'll definitely be in contact with you yep. possibly about that. Yeah, I'll tell you how to get – You know, it's, it's November 3rd. November 3rd. November 3rd. Okay. Um, I'll definitely be in touch about that. But on top of that, Ed, it has been just great having you on. I always love talking to you, buddy. I mean, you are just a wealth of knowledge and from a guy who loves, like, indulging knowledge. So thank you so much for being on. And I appreciate having you being here. Live. So it's a great, thank you. Get it. It's a great Christmas present for everybody. You'll, you won't believe even even grandma or aunt martha might you know is going to go back in time with it very true yeah buff guys with no shirts on i know my wife is going to dig it she's going to love it <laughs> yeah, she does. the original speedos it was the original speedos in the early days dude i love that well ed uh, there's one other thing that i wanted to talk to you about man and and kind of give you the full platform if you had you know your 30 second elevator pitch for anybody who's you know, thinking about uh, getting the wrestling at the chase book. Um, tell us what are the reasons that inspired you to actually write this book and why everybody should go ahead and try to pick it up. Because it was a simple time. And as I said, those four words, wrestling at the chase, bring back such instant memories, whether it was the fun and the entertainment of the program, because there wasn't all kinds of entertainment. It was the bonding with your family because you had one television and it's, Writing these books, these memories shouldn't be forgotten. And by writing the book, you bring the memories back. And that's whether it was the Browns book or these other books I've written. It's about the memories and just keeping them alive in families. They may have forgotten things, but you open this up at Christmas. And I will give you one last story real quick. I wrote the Browns book. A guy came up to me at this big charity event and he said, are you the Browns guy? And I said, yeah. He goes, you wrote the book, right? I said, yeah. And he started crying. And I'm looking at him going, what did I do? And his wife then comes, is, is that him? And he, he said, yeah. And she got a tear in her eye. His dad has dementia and Alzheimer's. He doesn't know what to buy his dad. He goes and sits with him, you know, a couple times a week in the home. And they just sit in quiet and watch TV. He bought him the Browns book because he knew he was a big Browns fan. He opened up the book. At Christmas, unwrapped it. You know, he gives them shirts and things. Nothing ever happens. He opens this book and he starts pointing and calling out names and telling stories. And, you know, I've talked to many doctors. This long-term memory comes back. So, you know, I tell this to people. This is something you should buy these books of, of your elders because it will take them back. And it will, it's a happy time. And, and the guy said, and this chokes me up a lot of times to say this. And when I was doing this live on uh TV on, on PBS telling the story, you know, he said, I just want to thank you. You know, my dad and I, I sit with him and for the last three years, we've never really talked. He may not know I'm his son, but you gave me my dad back and we sit and talk baseball with your book. And I think he'll do the same thing with this wrestling book. 
That's wonderful. Well, that that really is something. I'm getting choked up over here, man. I'm, and that's why I'm you, the night owl. I don't get choked up. <laughs> and you asked wow. ask me why do I do it. That's why I do it. Ed, well, well thank you uh, for so many reasons, for being here, for the knowledge, for the passion, for the sincerity. Uh, you're the kind of person that this show is created for. Yeah, we've had the privilege of having guys that are now on network television every single week. And, and if you guys want to know who those people are, just go to the website. We've got a whole poster lineup for you. But for me, it's the Ed Wheatleys, the Herb Simmons, the Tracy Smothers. These are the guys, the John Cospers, the guys who love and cherish the history of professional wrestling as much as they love the sport itself. Ladies and gentlemen, a quick round of applause for the newest member of the Wrestle Talk family, the one and only author, prestigious author, Ed Wheatley. <laughs> Tip our cap to you, my friend. Ed, before you go, two things. Number one, welcome as the newest member of the Wrestle Talk family. And number two, promise us you won't be a stranger. Oh, no. Just invite me back anytime. Hey, we got told you. We're looking for a March premiere of that movie. We need to come back and talk about the movie. Maestro, I'm putting you in charge of getting that coordinated. How about that? Count me in. I got everything taken care of. Ed and I, we got this. (laughs) (laughs) Wonderful. Well, Ed, thank you so much for your time. We'll go ahead and sign off. You always have a home here at the Wrestle Talk Podcast with myself, the Maestro, and the rest of the boys. We really appreciate your time, man. You have a safe evening and be blessed. Thank you very much. All right, amigo. Good night. Good evening, Wow, 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 Maestro. I know you came in a little bit late, but it was like the cavalry came in and we had an amazing interview with an amazing guest and we've got more to come, bro. How how exciting was that and how excited are you for the rest of the show? Well, the only thing I'm not excited for is the fact that I got a lot of papers to put back in order to put <laughs> I I had to go it was through worth Dude, it was worth it, but then you got the low-key floss where he's like, oh, yeah, I was, like, on the third baseline. And, yeah. You know what? I deal with that <laughs> it's the man. I deal with that shit all the time with people. One of my friends at work does that all the time, so it's okay. Like, Ed, yeah, especially when it's Ed Wheatley. He's an amazing guy. He's an amazing author. You know, I think the last story he had just told us sums him up perfectly, as to, and the world would be a much better place if there were more of him on it. Um, you know what? And I like Ed so much. I, I actually am going to bestow him with the Wrestle Talk. That's E Dub right there from now on. Anytime we talk about Ed Weedley, we're talking about E Dub, the renowned author and sports writer, bro. Absolutely love that guy. Well, guess what, Maestro? We're going to take a very, very short break, courtesy of our friend Vince Sanity with his song Heaven's Demons. And guess what? We're coming back for the rest of the Wrestle Talk podcast, episode 364 with the one and only, the Hall of Famer, the Hoffa, ladies and gentlemen, the one and only, you know him, you love him, you know who I'm talking about, Herb Simmons. We'll see you on a few. All right, let's get these papers cleaned up. <laughs> Listen. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. You can shoot all your shots and we still won't come down. We some fools, we some brats, yeah, they call us out. By all means, we some kings and our table is round. 
wanna float to the top There's a chance we might drown When the dark touch the ground We come round mm -hmm. When the dark touch the ground We come round mm -hmm. When the dark touch the ground We come round mm -hmm. When the dark touch the ground Everybody knows that I'm the baddest right now Everybody knows that I would never back down Everybody knows that There really is no crown Even if there was one They need to sit the fuck down Down, down They need to sit the fuck down Clowns who really got the crown right now? Sit the fuck down, you clowns. Yes, sir. You, you can shoot all your shots and we still won't come down. We some fools, we some rods, yeah, they call us out. By all means, we some kings and our table is round. Wanna float to the top, there's a chance we might drown. When the dark touch the ground, we come round. Mm -hmm. When the dark touch the ground, we come round. Mm -hmm. When the dark touch the ground, we come round. Mm -hmm. When the dark touch the ground. You might think we some guys, but we really just men. We don't walk on the water, we still gotta swim. I just keep it 1,000 while they play pretend. I just keep it 1,000. They go so hard that they gotta give props. Team full of stars, now they connect and die. Not a heartbreaker, I just make hearts drop. And I think that they hate me because I'm unorthodox. Not in your face, but I'm all in thoughts. Live how I want while you live in a box. Used to bust knocks, now I just get knocks. Even though I'm cold, but I'ma always be hot. You can shoot all your shots, and we still won't come down. We some wolves, we some rides, yeah, they call us out. By all means, we some kings, and our table is round. Wanna float to the top? There's a chance we might drown when the dark touch the ground. We come round, 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 round. When the dark touch the ground, we come round, 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 round. When the dark touch the ground. And here we are once again back. For the remainder of episode 364 of the Wrestle Talk podcast, Maestro, Maestro, Maestro. I know that the Wrestle Talk podcast is a demanding and prestigious podcast, but I think it's worth the work, bro. And I know when I say demanding, it's usually yours truly the night. I'm like, get this and get the. But, bro, when we get an opportunity to talk to guys like Ed Wheatley and have that sort of a conversation, you got to admit, I'm worth putting up with. Admit it, Maestro. You love me. I mean, you're all right. But. <laughs> oh, really? You're you got to hand. I'm glad you already used the Iron Sheik on this one because you got a hand to me. I'm thankful to know these guys really well. Thankful to know Ed. Um, he was such a great guy. And it was by chance that 
you know, I didn't realize at first, this wasn't until about a few weeks before the NWA show that he was the um, gentleman in charge of the St. Louis Browns historical fan group. And I'm like, holy shit, you know, (laughs) there's two awesome roads, baseball history, wrestling and wrestling history connect. And I was like, there we go. So I love it. No, me too. And you, you know what? I just realized after hearing you say that, like, I, I admire a lot of different people in a lot of different industries, but I always particularly admire that guys can do what they love for a living. And Ed Wheatley is an author, a, oh, yeah. a, a serious author for a living. That's what he does. Herb Simmons, our next guest, is a promoter. Now, he does a lot of other things for his community. We know he's a leader. Uh, an ambassador in certain ways for the sport of professional wrestling. But when you think Herb Simmons, you think wrestling. And that's what he does for a living. So I aspire to be like them, Maestro, a guy who can do what I love for a living. Now, I have a great job, pays well, I enjoy it, but it's not what I love. And I know if you could, you would do I-70 sports media for a living. I know if I could... I would do Wrestle Talk podcast slash Fantasy Wrestling Worldwide chapter slash Royal Alliance Wrestling for a living. We're not there yet, but I get this feeling that by talking to guys like this and having relationships with guys like this, that fountain of knowledge is being bestowed not only on just you and me, bro, but on the rest of the Wrestle Talk family. Would you agree with that? Oh, absolutely. I mean, and you had mentioned how, give me one second, drop my water bottle, but you had mentioned how we're not quite there yet. Well, shit, just think about where we were a few months ago. I mean, we were literally, like, you want to know what our, folks, you want to know what our platform was to do the show? This. My phone. (laughs) That's facts. This is how we do this. And now look at us. You know, we got StreamYard, and that's thanks to you all for tuning in, you know, and thanks to our wonderful sponsors. It's just amazing how much we progress. And you're right. I would love to do I-70 Sports Media as as a living. You know, I do love working in healthcare, helping out. It mentally uh, wears you down, but, yeah, nevertheless, you know, I love what I do. Otherwise, I wouldn't be doing it. No and doubt about it. I just know there's an end goal. And you know what? People like our next guest make it even more enjoyable. So Yeah, let's go ahead and do that. Well, ladies and gentlemen, it'll be my pleasure to conduct this introduction because this is a longtime member of the WrestleTalk family. And, you know, Maestro, I'm going to be 100% sincere. We get a lot of love here on the WrestleTalk podcast. I have people that reach out to me a lot. We have great wow. communication, and, and there's people that kind of have to do that to stay in our good graces, and, and we, of course, want to stay in their good graces as well. But there's some people that really don't have to do that. They just got the clout. They got the prestige. They've got the name. They don't have to be nice to us. I'll keep it simple. But this guy has never been not nice. He's been nothing but a class act respectful, kind, generous, giving. As a matter of fact, you may not know this. So about two years ago, I went to my first SICW show. And I got the great seat, obviously. Beer was cheap. Hot, hot crowd. Dude, I'm sitting there enjoying the show with my boys. 
uh, Skywalker, Luke Roberts, and Patrick Brandmeier. And all of a sudden, I get called into the ring and get recognized by Dr. Drew Abenhouse. And I know that it came from Herb. And he wasn't necessarily recognizing me, even though they did. But they were recognizing our contributions to the pro wrestling world. Now, I think it's it's very small compared to a guy like him. But, dude, to get that sort of recognition, to get that kind of affirmation, that pat on the back for someone so credible that realistically doesn't have to do it, it I've never forgotten that moment, and it's meant so much to me. So much to me. Just like I know myself and my buddy Jay Hollywood were talking. He's like, man, you know what? There's a lot of great promotions, but, bro, Herb Simmons, SICW, without a shadow of a doubt, at the very top of that list along with a few others. So it is always my honor and pleasure to welcome in guests, but it's especially thrilling to welcome in longtime members of the Wrestle Talk family, uh, pillars of St. Louis Pro Wrestling, and a multi-time Hall of Famer, ladies and gentlemen. It is my pleasure, as well as it should be yours, to welcome in one more time to the Wrestle Talk podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, let's welcome in Herb Simmons. Mr. Simmons, welcome to the show this evening, sir. Good evening. Good evening. What a great show. I tell you, anytime you got somebody like uh, Ed on there, uh, it's worth uh, worth listening to. You didn't even have to put me on. I could listen to him all night. Oh, well, me too. I was looking at the clock. I was like, well, we only got five minutes left. It's not fair. <laughs> I was a little disappointed, but, uh, you know, November's right around the corner. Um, and so hopefully we'll have him back on very, very soon. But Herb, real quick, I, a lot of people compliment my background. I got a lot of variety. I got, and a lot of people haven't seen this, but I got a full picture of Kansas City on this side and a full picture of St. Louis on this side. So you know I have love and appreciation for both cities, but your background is putting my background to shame. I just got to be honest. Can you tell us a little bit about what you got going on back there? Because that is outstanding. It's a um, three of the gentlemen that introduced me to uh, what I love so much, uh, Sam Muchnick, Larry Matasek, and, of course, uh, Bruiser Brody is my 24-hour watch person here at my house. Uh, those are the cardboard cutouts that I have up on my wall here, and uh, I owe everything uh, that I've done in this business to those three gentlemen. Well, there's no doubt about it. And I know you heard our interview with Ed. Obviously, talking about the legends is something that, that you're better at than most people, Herb. But but I have to ask you, because you were there along with our very own uh, Jeremy Carp, the maestro of I-70 Sports Media. Um, NWA 73, Herb, what were the feelings as you were walking back into that building? I know you have a lot of relationships with, with, the, uh, with the brass over there. But just as a wrestling fan... How did it feel for you to be able to walk back into the chase? Well, to me, it was special because, I mean, uh, you could hear the uh, the walls talk, the chandeliers talk. Uh, and like Ed said, I've had the opportunity to be at the course and room at the chase there for other functions, for award ceremonies or uh, just different uh, uh, events. And I have not been there one time for any of those other type of events that the conversation of wrestling at the chase didn't come up and of course then i became the the center of attention because somebody would say well you know herb he he knew the guys that used to perform in uh, this room and uh so then the then it would start that conversation of you know could you imagine uh, dick the bruiser being in here or johnny valentine or 
uh, Farmer Marlin, people like that. Uh, but yeah, it was great. I was glad Billy and uh, uh, his crew invited us to be part of that. Uh, we've seen a lot of fans there that, you know, that are, you know, St. Louis has got the best fans, I say, anywhere. Of course, each each area uh, claims that, but I'm partial to the Midwest, of course, and uh, SICW. And, you know, I saw Jeremy there that night and uh, a lot of fans. But, you know, the, the chase was the place for all those years. And, uh, um, you know, uh, every legend that I've worked with has said, you never made it to the big time until you made it to St. Louis. And I agree with that. Well, I know we act, asked Ed this question. You may have been listening. With all the recent happenings, including the big dog coming into town in January, are you putting that stake back into the ground now? Not knowing you, Herb, you're a humble guy, but you're also an assertive guy, and you've never not planted that, like, yo, St. Louis is the home. Don't disrespect us, even though, you know, because every territory, every sport goes through ups and downs, like what we're seeing with baseball right now, and wrestling's kind of on an uptick or whatever. But now more than ever, please tell me you're like, yes, St. Louis continues to be the hub of professional wrestling at the very least in the United States, if not of the world. Do you feel like the recent happenings uh, are contributing to that? Because I firmly do. And I don't even live in St. Louis. I'll be real honest with you. I've had that conversation over the last uh, 48 hours. I've had some uh, a lot of time the last four days to thank my wife is uh, uh, ill in the hospital, but. Uh, so my number one thought has been with her, but still, in all, her. still in all, I, I, I have to, uh, uh, the conversation of the big dog, as they call them, I don't think they're the big dog nowadays. <laughs> uh, I think the, the big dog has been, uh, uh, moved down to a chihuahua. Uh, oh, and why, why do you say that? I'm curious, sir. Well, and, and again, these are my personal opinions and I, uh, probably Fair. offend some people out there, but I told a gentleman today I was talking to a good friend of mine that if somebody said they'd give me a hundred dollars for every person I could name on the, uh, as you say, the big dog roster, I'd make a hundred dollars because Rand above Randy Orton, I don't know anybody else. <laughs> uh, That's fair. I love, I love how you always keep it real, Herb. I appreciate that about you. But, but again, you know, and I'll be real. Also, I think the only reason we're seeing that announcement get made is because of what Billy just did with the NWA coming to town. Uh, I mean, Thank you. You beat me to the punch. Yeah, he. Uh, you know, when's the last time uh, the, the uh, Chihuahua's been in town? Uh, 2012 or whenever it was. Uh, if long I, time I, since they've had a pay per view here. Long time, and and again, you know, and they'll do good. Uh, what they don't, what they don't sell on tickets, they'll give away in paper. Uh, that's the, <laughs> one, of, one of the oldest tricks in a book. You never want to have a pay-per-view with an empty, uh, empty arena, but, but I wish him luck. I, I, I wish him well, because, you know, as you said earlier, wrestling is, and Sam much Nick said that many, many years ago, it's like a roller coaster ride. Cyclical. Uh, yeah. It goes up and goes down and, uh, we're, we're reaching that, um, um, you know, with all the talent that's out there and all the organizations, it's, uh, I still am concerned on the local level level of what's called oversaturation. Mm -hmm. and, and it's hard for some promotions and promoters to understand that because they haven't lived through that. Um, and then they sit back and they go home and they look at their sheets and they scratch their heads and say, man, I, we didn't, we didn't do so good tonight. Why? 
we only had 50, 75, 100 people there. Well, that's because 10 miles down the road or five miles down the road, they drew another 30, 40, 50 people that would have been coming to yours. But yeah. I think every, I think some people wake up one morning and say, you know, I'm going to become a Vince McMahon and I'm going to get in the wrestling business. Well, that, if you're thinking that you're wrong, I'm, I'm just sorry. Uh, I never, ever thought that I, 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 you know, everything he's touched, even his football thing made him money. So how do you compete with, but not for long. No, <laughs> but, but guess yeah. what he got? He got one of the biggest tax write-offs ever, you know, um, uh, you know, they talked about when uh, Major came to town out in your area. Oh, yeah. Yeah, we I, could talk for hours about that. I was one of the first companies he offered to me a job, was going to buy me out. Um, you know, he sat with Larry Matisek and I for a couple hours, a couple different times at lunch. Uh, and, you know, Larry and I told him, give us that million dollars you're talking about uh, investing and uh, we'll, we'll make you rich. We'll spend, it right, we'll spend it wisely for you. But, you know, these guys let people get in their ears that have no knowledge of the business whatsoever. And I don't know it all, believe me, but I've, I, I was, I got to sit underneath that learning tree of those gentlemen behind me there. And, uh, and I, I was like the sponge. I soaked all of that knowledge in. Well, and for those of the younger demographic, let me translate for Herb Simmons. He's saying you can't do what we do if you're a Johnny-come-lately. If they're coming to town now, it's because they saw something that scared them. And I don't think anybody else would have brought that take. My I'll let you jump in here briefly. This is why we love having Herb Simmons on the show, because not, not only are we going to get a history lesson, we're going to get a lesson in the organization of professional wrestling on a grander scale. Do you think there's anything, any validity to what Herb's saying about this Royal Rumble just coincidentally happening a few months after NWA 73? I got to get your thoughts on that, Maestro. You know what? I do agree. I can definitely see that. First off, hey, Herb, how's it going, buddy? It's Hi, buddy. Uh, <laughs> good seeing you. Uh, yeah, I had some technical difficulties, but um, yeah, I definitely can agree with that. And, you know, when you talk about oversaturation, you know, I love wrestling in the St. Louis. I love wrestling that's in the St. Louis area, but I have no issue saying that there is a lot of it. And, you know, that's why there's literally a website that talks about all the events coming up and all these different promotions. And, you know, it's just the metro area. And it just brings up, you know, like you're talking about, there is just a real big, you know, a real big market, but a real small group of promotions that are just take drawing fans away from each other. And it brings no up the question, why are we drawing, you know, a small amount? Um, and yeah, the only reason to me, WWE is having the rumble in St. Louis in January is because of the success of the NWA 73. There is no coincidence about it. I'm not even, are there, there's, yeah, they can hide it however they want. But last time they had the Royal Rumble in St. Louis, I went to it. It was at the Enterprise Center, and there was just maybe 20,000 people. There Now it's just because they want to step their game up and put try to put 40,000 seats in that stadium for the, uh, for the Royal Rumble at the Dome. So, yes, it's no coincidence. You're absolutely right. It just blows my mind, quite frankly. Well, somebody had to say it. 
<laughs> Somebody had say, no Johnny come lately's, and we know why you're doing it. So we appreciate Herb for that. Uh, I want to switch gears here and go back to something that we were talking about with Ed. You've seen and you're familiar, and I know you contributed greatly uh, to the book uh, that he's going to be putting out uh, here very, very soon, the, the coffee table book. Uh, talk to us about your feelings with working with people who are trying to encapsulate the history of a place like the Chase. I know Ed has your utmost respect. You guys are likely very good friends. What does it mean to you to see a publication like that come out with something that uh, you basically are putting your name behind as well? Well, I got to tell you, you know, I've, I've learned Ed to be a very humble individual. Uh, when I was first approached, um, I, it was no secret. I'd already helped Larry 17 years ago, Larry Matisek with the wrestling at the chase book. And, uh, mm-hmm. when the publisher, uh, first called me and said, Hey, we've got an author that's wanting to uh, write a book. Um, would you be interested in it's a wrestling at the chase book? And I said, no, I've already helped do that. And uh, he said, well, would you at least meet with Mr. Wheatley? And I said, sure. And it came over, we met, uh, I had brought some of my collection stuff that I had and showed him, uh, just a small sample of what it was. And, I immediately uh, found out that Ed had the passion uh, and I had told him that Larry had, and I had always talked about doing a coffee table style book. Uh, It was on our bucket list to do. Um, You know, we did the reproduction of the uh, wrestling at the chase tapes. And so he came up and, you know, he'd done the 50 greatest uh, wrestlers of all times and uh, the bruiser Brody with Barbara Goodish book. Um, but he always wanted to have a book like Ed was talking about doing. And Ed had brought over samples of the uh, uh, baseball books that he had done. And I, I immediately, from looking at those books, I knew that this guy was the one that, if I was ever going to be involved with helping somebody continue that legacy alive again, it was going to be Ed. And um, so we struck up a good relationship. But I'll tell you what. I thought Larry Matasek burnt the candle at both ends. Uh, Ed, uh, Ed is right there with Larry uh, and a guy that is a perfectionist. Um, uh, he, I think if he didn't tell you, uh, he may have forgot, but there was a few things I threw in some uh, curves on that. Uh, and I'll give you one example was, is we were talking and I said, yeah, I said, I remember growing up and watching wrestling at the chase on a Wednesday night and, he said, Herb, I, I, I hate to disagree with you. He said, I, I don't think so. He said it was always Saturday, Sunday. You know, I said, no. <laughs> said, I'm telling you, Wednesday night. And uh, it was about probably a week or two later, I get a call uh, from him. We'd been talking in between, but he called me about a week later and said, you know what? He said, I found out what you were talking about. And uh, it, it was on Wednesday night. And uh, but it was just things like that. I. I, there's a picture in the book of a little, uh, what you call a, uh, keychain, uh, pendlet. And on one side of it, it's, and I've got it, it's got, uh, a KPLR TV channel 11. And when you flip it over, it's got wrestling at the chase with the number 44. Uh, and it says, uh, um, uh, admittance, uh, to bear and their guest. Uh, nobody seems to be able to find any more of them. So I told Ed, you know, maybe you want to put this in the book. Um, so he is, and what I really liked about it, Night Owl is, yeah, the book is those four words, wrestling at the chase is what I've said. I want to carry on forever and ever, but he even took it further than that. You know, he, the book talks about what else was going on around the time of wrestling at the chase. 
you know, when it started on television in 1959, you know, he talks about the three stooges, things like that. You know, we always said growing up, it wasn't much to watch on TV. Uh, you had, uh, the three, Stoog- three Stooges wrestling at the Chase and Roller Derby, and we grew up on all three of them watching. Them. <laughs> so, uh, Shout out to Muckety Muck, by the way. Roller Derby and wrestling have a very weird connection that very few people know about. Exactly. and uh, But but Ed has done a tremendous job on the book. I'm really honored that uh, he included uh, me in it. There's a, a chapter about how the torch has passed, and uh, you'll I don't want to tell any too many stories, but it will tell you on there how that torch was passed. And, um, you know, there's some pictures in there of Sam and I. And, and a quick story about that. Ed said, Herb, you know, it'd be nice to have a picture of you and Sam uh, that I need for this book. And, and after all these years and all the times I was around Sam, I never, never, I, I, I kind of thought there was one out there or some out there, but I never did have one myself. And I had been working with Larry's wife. Uh, Pat Matasek, uh, I said, you know, I need to see some of the Larry stuff, you know, just to see what could be used in the book that I didn't have already. And um, she sent me down an envelope uh, one day and I'm going through some other photos that she had had in there and some papers and is a termination letter from WWF back in the day. And uh, that's a story for another day. But um uh, the, I, I was getting ready to put the envelope down and I felt something in it and I looked in and I reached inside of it and by behold, it was a picture of Larry, Sam and I together. Uh, oh, that's wow. And I immediately uh, scanned it and sent it to Ed and he said, bingo, that just made uh, the book, you know, basically. <laughs> so, uh, wow. Ed's a, nuck, a lucky guy. Yeah. And, you know, I was fortunate, uh, you know, um, I've got great guys in our locker room at SICW and, uh, Several of them uh, got their pictures in the book. So, uh, you know, they're excited. I like to pass that uh, because without a good locker room and good fans, you know, there is no SICW. And as far as that goes, there is no promotion unless you've got good workers and good fans. Well, there's no question about that. And I guess I would be remiss, and this may be the only time that we do something like this, but shout out to the Wilds for welcoming in their new baby, Shout out to Chrissy. Shout out to Curtis. I know that they're regulars, and I know Curtis Wild can be volatile, her, but it's always an amazing thing to welcome a new life into the world. What message would you send to the Wilds if they were watching here tonight? I've already got the contract uh, signed because the size of that baby, it's going to be uh, really, really quick. <laughs> uh, the nine, ultimate nine, promoter, Herb Simmons. Nine, nine pounds, 10 ounces, 21 inches long. Wow. wow. Uh, <laughs> Sounds I, like Keith Smith Jr. <laughs> I've got the uh, contract already signed. No, I, I, you know, we don't see eye to eye a lot of times, but uh, they, uh, they're, they're a thorn in the rural behind. But uh, anytime we can bring a, uh, a new life into this uh, trying world that we're in right now, I'm, I, I wish them all the best. Well, there's no question. Uh, when I come back, I'm going to throw it over uh, to the Meister. But when I come back, I know I definitely want to talk about uh, the upcoming Shore War, which uh, we know Haku is going to be making an appearance in. He's going to be going on uh, uh, against a former guest of the show, Attila Khan, the international bounty hunter. And uh, Dr. D. David Schultz will also be in the building. So once you're done, Meister, I want to make sure we have enough time to get back to that because that's going to be an outstanding and huge event as always with SICW. But uh, Maestro, why don't you take it away? Because I know you've been chomping at the bit. 
Yeah, I will admit that was actually <laughs> what I was going to talk about, believe it or not. <laughs> um, because let me tell you something, folks. With each passing day, now let me tell you something. To me, Herb is who I like to consider Mr. Encyclopedia. This guy is, you know, I mentioned how Ed's a wealth of knowledge. Well, Herb is the bookkeeper. He is the collector's keeper. I mean, you need to know it. You need to find out about it. Herb will find out about it. Um, he has such great connections in the wrestling industry, and he's so well-respected. I say this because as the days have passed on in recent weeks, I keep seeing some of the wrestlers that are going to be at this event on October 30th at SICW. And, you know, we already mentioned Attila Khan. Haku is going to be there. Jerry the King Lawler and the Rock and Roll Express. Now, those are just some of the names I'm going to name because there is a lot. What's it like, Herb, to especially, you know, we're still dealing with the effects of the pandemic, but what's it like to be able in this day right now to still be able to get all these legends who've left their mark in the professional wrestling industry for life and to get them all at one place? and still showcase why they are the best. Well, you know, it's, 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 it's great. And it's, it's an honor to be able to have that uh, relationship with so many of them. And again, it, it goes back to what I said at the beginning, the, the three gentlemen there behind me, Sam, Larry, and uh, Frank uh, Bruiser Brody. And, and there's other people that they had introduced me to that helped me along the way. But, and I, Sam also always told Larry and I in life and especially in this business, there's two things that you can control. And if you lose control of them, then you need to look of not being in the wrestling business and that's integrity and your honesty. Um, and if you, if you lose them and so many people that get in this business, uh, one don't have that when they get into it or they quickly lose it. Uh, because of, uh, you know, they want to use somebody's um, uh, name to try to put butts in the seats, knowing that they don't have them booked anyway. Uh, and that's been a history in professional wrestling for many, many years. Uh, I have been very, very fortunate that uh, if we book somebody, unless it's something out of our control, uh, they're there. And, um, I don't think you'll find anybody in the business to say that uh, Herb Simmons or anybody from the SICW staff uh, was told him a story, lied to him. Um, it's, you know, it, again, it goes back to your integrity and how much you want to have these people respect you. You know, when you pick up a phone and you call a uh, Greg Valentine or, uh, or you meet Haku uh, out in Vegas when you're there for the reunion and, uh, Travis Cook is trying to out uh, maneuver you. You know, he was playing uh, uh, chess and I was playing checkers because I'm good at checkers. And um, <laughs> and and so uh, Haku will be in town. And but it, it, to answer your question, Jeremy, it's 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 a it's a good feeling. It's it's uh, it's uh, rewarding to know that it's soon to be 48 years uh, that I soaked in that knowledge that Sam and Larry and those guys gave me. Um, kept my ears open and my mouth shut. And man, if so many other guys would learn that, you know, come to the locker room, do your job, uh, uh, 
go home and think about the next show. But no, everybody's got and, and night owl. I when I turned in earlier uh, for a few minutes uh, before I had to get on the phone, I heard you say one word. It's a three letter word that if everybody would just leave it at the door, uh, things would be so much better. And that's the word ego, um, because that is what is going to ruin the and you know my feelings on the word independent, uh, but it still continues to get used out there. Why guys want to consider themselves an independent wrestler or on the independent circuit? I mean, they're all the license you get in Missouri under the Missouri State Athletic Board says professional wrestler, doesn't say independent wrestler. Uh, but if guys want to con consider themselves in the minor league, that's fine and dandy. But uh, they, they need to learn to check their ego at the door. Um, uh, so yeah, back to your question. It's great. Uh, yeah, um, you know this this show we got coming up with all these talents on it. We were in that building two years ago. We'd have been there last year, but because of the pandemic, it was canceled. You know, last year we had uh, Kevin Nash scheduled to be there, um, uh, Matt Hardy, a few of the other people, and it got canceled. So we're trying to play catch up, and uh, I think we've got an outstanding. Uh, uh, lineup uh, recently is the day adding my good friend Dr. D. David Schultz. Oh yeah, and that's another great addition to an already star-studded lineup. I know I'm looking forward to being there. You know, when I look at what's behind you with Sam, Larry, and uh, Brody, you, you, the stories of the friendship of you and Brody. You know, you've told me so much, and I think it shows the style of wrestling because. Brody was known as somebody who you just don't cross him. You know, he was not one to be messed around with backstage, but you found a way to where you didn't have to, you were just completely honest with him, you know, and because of that, you guys developed a good friendship. And I think it's wonderful that every year, you know, you are able to hold that Memorial battle Royal and that his widow is able to attend and it just showcases the legacy he leaves, but also it shows, it goes back to my earlier point of just you keeping legacies alive of those who trailblazed away in the wrestling industry. Well, you know, again, if everybody would, and I think you guys understand this, some of the workers out there today need to remember they are being allowed to build on the foundation that the people like Bruiser Brody and all the guys that we've named in the past, they built that foundation. You know, mm -hmm. uh, Sam Muchnick was never a worker. Larry Matasek was never a worker. Herb Simmons, you know, never a worker. I take my hat off to all those guys. I, I'm not taking those bumps. I'm, I'm chicken. But guess what? <laughs> the thing that Sam Muchnick knew how to do and Larry Matasek knew how to do and Herb Simmons knows how to do and other uh, some other promoters out there you know you, you've got acw uh pat uh the searcher you've got uh, uh scotty z from new breed wrestling uh they're trying to do the best they can uh they're trying to run uh, a good uh, promotion based on their integrity and their honesty i deal with all them you know there for a long time i get accused of not wanting to work with anybody i worked with usa championship wrestling down in tennessee before my good friend bert prentice passed away Still working with uh, KC, the gentleman who started up down there. Uh, Troy Peterson, Impact Pro Wrestling. Him and I work together. I work with anybody that wants to work to make this profession better. Because it's all a passion that we have. 
we all, one thing we all have in common from the get-go, guess what that is? We grew up as fans. Some of these promotions that wake up now and say, I want to be in the business, they've got that feeling because they watch the modern stuff that's going on now. And it, if you're trying to compete with that, the AEW and all of these, you, you can't do it. You know, uh, don't over, don't over, um, spend, uh, let your thoughts overspend you because that's what happens. Uh, you know, I've got people saying, well, how can you afford to bring in 12, 14, 13 legends on a card? It's because I know what I, I know. What my, and again, I, I get these guys, I, I, I work deals with them. They know they're going to get more bookings in the future from me. It's a relationship that you build with them talents. Uh, I guarantee you there's not another promotion. I'm not bragging about that, but there's not another promotion in the Midwest that can put all this talent together. And I didn't do it all by myself. I, I got help doing it, but I got the help to get that done. Wow, oh, for sure. And I think I'm literally taking notes during this interview, just so you guys know. <laughs> Herb, I love it, man. This is amazing yeah, for me. I feel like I'm sitting in class. I'll help, I'll help you anytime you want. You know that night out. I know that, yeah. Herb, man. It, uh, it's a beautiful I, thing. Oh, oh, real quick, before I forget, Maestro, uh, you mentioned USA Championship Wrestling. Shout out, shout out to our boy Tom Simon, uh, great ring announcer, great, uh, you know, St. Louis guy, uh, just an, an awesome guy that's been in the business a long time as well. I know he's not currently active, but we still love him. So shout out to uh, Tom Simon. And I have a question before we get into the game show challenge because things are about to get intense. I know you guys are both very friendly with each other, and it's always oh, respectful. Yeah. But I have to say this. I would love to see the young wrestling historian, the maestro, versus the OG wrestling historian, Herb Simmons, in a little bit trivia, a little bit of a trivia challenge if you gentlemen are game. Yeah, I got my uh, guide somewhere. Hang on. Stop. Cheat sheet. <laughs> yeah, hang on. No, I got Jeremy was born in the 90s, Herb. Take I, it easy on him, on. okay? Hang on. Hold on. I'm I got the like cheat sheet right here. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> this is the cheat sheet I <laughs> I told you guys the story about that trophy hang on the front page of that book, didn't I? Did I, did I tell you that the last time I was in? No, because I was about to go to that picture because we went through some of the pictures from the book with Ed Wheatley, and I believe he has that picture in his book as well, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, he was. Yeah. I love it. That, that picture, if you got a minute, that that story to that picture, that was on the cover of that book, but that was taken at the Fox Theater. The only show that was ever produced at the Fox Theater, uh, Sam, Larry, and I did it. And uh, we had brought Brody in town the night before that show, and he wanted to go to the theater to see what the setup was going to be. He was kind of amused on how we were going to have a professional wrestling ring on the stage of one of the most uh, uh, historical theaters in the country, the Fox Theater, where all the greats uh, uh, performed. Uh, so we show up over there and as we walk in the front doors, you guys have hopefully have been to the Fox before, but you walk in there and as we're walking in, uh, Stan, Stan makes the comment, says, Larry, did you get the trophy picked up? And immediately Larry and I, it's like we stepped in concrete and it instantly, uh, encapsulated us. And he looked at me and I looked at him and it was like, oh man. And Sam looked at us and said, oh, what's wrong? And Larry says, uh, I forgot to order the trophy. And of course, Sam, 
Sam, Sam, is, you had to know Sam. And it was like, this is the night before. Now, you're not going to go no place else and buy a trophy what we needed. And it was Brody that looked over next to the pillar in the middle of the, the uh, uh, Fox Theater lobby. That is actually an ashtray that was there. And Brody says, ah, we'll use that tomorrow night. And that's where that, that picture come from. That was the ashtray of the, in the lobby of the Fox Theater that we gave him as the trophy. Wow. I think Night Owl's... Uh, Night Owl, you muted yourself, genius. Uh, okay, my, my mistake. There you go. No. Well, I was going to say is that's exactly why people tune into the show. Uh, for that sort of knowledge, that sort of information, and those sort of stories, man. And and you know what? You'll find those stories in places, I tell you. No, no. But here's the thing. There was a question, and I was, like, trying to, like, riddle my brain and make sure I didn't forget. So here it is, and it's kind of personal. Herb, you're a, a, a blessed man for many, many reasons. You're a community leader. You're a respected promoter, uh, a pillar of St. Louis professional wrestling. But you're also a husband. And I have to ask you for some personal advice here in front of, you know, the uh, relatively large pro wrestling uh, community. And that is how, well, you might want to write this down for when you get married, Maestro. Somehow Herb has managed to do the impossible. And that is um, balance married life with professional wrestling, something that I am striving to do. And it's not always a smooth road, Herb. What advice would you give to young promoters, podcasters, workers, announcers, referees, anybody in the pro wrestling business who has personal family relationships, particularly wives, that are also trying to be in the professional wrestling business? Because I know pro wrestling can be all-consuming. Talking about burning the candle at both ends like we did a little bit earlier. What advice could you bestow on a, a relatively young guy such as myself a young guy such as the maestro who may one day be married on how to balance the wife and the life. How do you do that, Herb? Help us out. Well, there's an old uh, saying, you know, happy uh, wife, happy life. Mm -hmm. uh, and if you, if you remember two words, uh, it will get you through all those hard times. And those two words are yes, dear. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. Wow. Got him. Got him. <laughs> now, you got me, Herb. <laughs> on, a serious, on a serious note, uh, as I said at the beginning, uh, my wife is uh, uh, having some medical issues. and uh, But there, I, I would not want to do what I've done. We've been uh, together 45 years. Uh, wow. And she has been. Talk about accomplishments. She has been the uh, uh, spark behind the knock um and i think any of the guys that's worked for us will tell you that uh she keeps it together um you know she has um yeah you know, she uh she can put it in in her terms uh if it makes me happy she's happy uh she used to sit up and listen to the late night calls between larry Matasek and i to the point where uh, and Larry's wife uh, will tell the story today that uh, we end up, they go to bed. Hey, you know, they're going to be on the phone for three or four hours. And then Brody, uh, she'd sit there and hear us talking business or the likes of Murdoch or Crusher Blackwell, people like that. And 
Uh, I, I really believe at one time she just said, I hate this. I, I hate it. Uh, I've been there to her. <laughs> but, but I tell you, she's at, at the shows. She helps with, uh, you know, every every month she takes uh, charge of our reserve seats. And a good friend of mine, Scott Romer, um, photographer, uh, just an all around great guy, uh, was out in Vegas. And I was asked to do a seminar out there, a promoter seminar this a uh, couple of weeks back. And uh, he talked about how, you know, we put the, everybody's that's got a reserve seat, they're on their seat when they come in, they know where they're sitting at. And my wife takes care of all of that, um, make sure all the paperwork's done. Of course, make sure the boys all get taken care of. And I could not do what I've done without her. And uh, I don't even want to think about that because it's a, uh, if you can keep the wife happy, um, uh, like I said, a happy wife, happy life and um make them feel a part of it and um it'll be good and maestro it's good to see you you with your notebook over there that's what you got to do man when you have the opportunity to to talk somebody that's living the dream hey listen herb i want you to know i now we always are very complimentary each other because there's a lot of mutual respect but i've always felt like if you can turn your passion into your career you're the guy i'm listening to and you and Ed have passion done exactly that. Passion. I mean, what was that? That's how I I was saying. That's the one thing I always tell people with I-70 Sports. For me, it's turning a passion into a profession. Perfectly said, bro. I completely agree. And, Herb, you've done that for over 40 years now. And not only have you done it uh, because you love professional wrestling, but because you love the professional wrestling community, continue to contribute. And I love the fact that early on in this interview, you can speak from a point of authority when you're talking about some of the things uh, that are happening in the profession, professional wrestling world that some other folks may not realize. But, you know, what what that brings me to is this. Um, you're a man who stands on principle and wisdom based on your experience and I think that's going to serve you well in tonight's edition of the Wrestle Talk Podcast Game Show Challenge. Now, I know you've been Googling for cheat codes, Maestro, but we're not getting nope. letting you get I'm away with any shit. Okay, the book. Okay, good. That's it. You can use that. Because, because let me tell you what. The opportunity to go one-on-one with Herb Simmons in a trivia challenge is going to be like that final stage in Super Mario that final Bowser that takes you kind of, you know what I mean? It takes a while to this beat him. Why he wanted me to do it and not That's him. right. Because <laughs> I knew if I went, I would have got smoked. <laughs> I'm not this afraid to admit it. It's like if Bruiser, Bruiser Brody stood in front of me, in front of me, God rest his soul, and he's like, you want to fight? I'd be like, nah, bro, here, take my lunch money. I'll eat later. <laughs> you got to know what you get yourself into. You got to be a smart man. Well, anyway, gentlemen, let's go ahead and get into tonight's edition of the Wrestle Talk Game Show Challenge. Are you Herb Simmons, Jeremy Carp, game? Yes, sir. Ready as I'm ever going to be. Let's do this. Let's do it, baby. Let's go ahead and queue up tonight's edition for 364 of the Wrestle Talk Podcast Game Show Challenge. All right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to this week's installment of the world-famous WrestleTalk Podcast Game Show Challenge. Tonight's contest is scheduled for the best two out of three falls. Tonight's contestants 
our Wrestle Talk podcast and I-70 Sport Media's very own, the maestro Jeremy Carp, and of course, the two-time, maybe even more, Hall of Famer, SICW's very own, Herb Simmons. Gentlemen, in a few moments, I will ask you three questions about a professional wrestling topic. Whenever you think you know the answer, simply shout it out. In honor of tonight's guest, our Wrestle Talk Podcast Game Show Challenge category is Professional Wrestlers from Illinois. I will give you information. <laughs> Good luck, Maestro. I, I will give you information about three professional wrestlers that have lived in the state of Illinois. When you think you know who I'm talking about, please simply shout out your answer. The first person to score two falls in tonight's contest will be our winner. Mr. Simmons, Mr. Carp, do you understand? Yes, sir. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, wow. I think I'm going to tap out. All right. (laughs) Take it easy, buddy. We all have an opportunity here, okay? And I'm going to mix up the order of the questions just to to keep um, everything honest. All right. Uh, Question number one. This professional wrestler was born in Lake Forest, Illinois. Having attended many Cauliflower uh, Cauliflower Alley events, this wrestler is a member of the NWA Hall of Fame and a former five-time NWA heavyweight champion. Harley Race? No. That is incorrect. Most recently, you can see him on WWE programming on screen alongside Sonya Deville. That is correct. Maestro, you have one point. The answer is Scrap Iron Adam Pierce. Question number two. This late WWE Hall of Fame tag teamer is one of the most decorated tag team or a member of one of the most decorated tag teams in professional wrestling history. Hailing from Chicago, Chicago, Illinois, he was managed by precious Paul Ellering. Name this Let, tag team. Um, God damn, what's his first name? No, not. Name I this don't... tag team. Okay, Legion of Doom. The Legion of Doom is correct. Jeremy Carp, you are up two to zero. Incredible. Well done, but we're not done yet because question number three is worth double points. It's in the it's in the sheet. What do you want me to do? Okay, here we go. Question number three. This late WWE Hall of Famer was born in Chicago, Illinois. He was an accomplished professional wrestler and manager. He managed the likes of Ray Stevens, Nick Bockwinkle. The Grand Wizard. That is incorrect. Okay, but give me a credit for at least knowing that. Well, it's the wrong answer. I can't give you credit. I apologize. (laughs) I'm just doing my job. Okay, Uh, Rick Rude. Again, he managed the likes of Ray Stevens, Nick Bockwinkle, Rick Rude, Kurt Henning, Haku, Appearing at SICW. Bobby Heenan Heenan. is correct. Ladies and gentlemen, we have a winner. Come on, baby. Give it to me. You got it. All I do is win, win, win. No matter what. Got money on my back. I can never get it up. Gotta finish it. Here we go. And they said it. Jeremy Kirk. 
this has got to be the greatest moment of your life, sir. Speech. Uh, it has been an honor just to compete against the likes of Herb Simmons. In fact, if it wasn't for knowing Herb Simmons, I probably wouldn't have the wealth of knowledge that I have today. So, so, so true. No, well, I'll tell you what, Herb. Thank you for being a good sport. More no. importantly, thank you for giving us some of your precious time to share not only the, the wealth of pro wrestling knowledge, but the appreciation that you have for everybody in the pro wrestling community. Because you, you put over the fans just as much as you do the talent, Herb. And, that, and that's part of the reason that we love you so much. Uh, but most importantly, man, me and Jeremy and Skywalker and Big Sexy Chris Rodell and Hoss and everybody that's a part of the Wrestle Talk team, whenever your name comes up, everybody's faces light up, man. So so thank you for yes. just being a, a um, kind of a guiding light for us uh, younger guys here in the Midwest pro wrestling scene, man. We love you one, for that. One last thing I want to say to you because you are a very dear friend of mine for years now, um, and I can't wait to see you on October 30th, but – you know, all of us are thinking about your wife right now. We know she's ill, so we're sending all of our prayers and vibes out to you and your wife and family. Okay, Herb? I appreciate that. And uh, okay. the only thing I'd like to throw out there, if uh, you'll let me, is we've got another big show on October the 9th. Actually, October the 7th, October the 7th I'm doing a private show uh, that's already sold out, and uh, it hasn't been advertised. But uh, all I can tell you is a uh, – a, uh, legend it's there is a former nwa champion uh and it's at a private show in downtown st louis um and that's on october the 7th and uh i'll give you a hand he was in town not too long ago uh, <laughs> uh october the 9th uh two cold scarpio uh is in action at the swansea fire department this will be our eighth year that we're uh, going there to uh, help them raise funds we Raise them over eight years, about $40,000 for that uh, local fire department. So it's always an honor to help out the men and women of the Swansea Fire Department. And he's going to be in action at night against uh, the guy who was uh, trained by Harley Race, Superstar Steve Fender. Uh, so that's Superstar that's Steve. So it's a great night. Fantastic. And it's just a little, a little rundown on the rest of that October 30th. Sergeant Slaughter is going to be Please there. Please do. Uh, Cowboy Bob Orton Jr. will be in the house. Demolition will be there. Uh, Jimmy Hart, the mouth of the South. We talked about Haku, uh, Dr. D. David Schultz, Greg, uh, Greg the Hammer Valentine, Jerry the King Lawler. Uh, the one thing that, uh, and I would just want to announce it because I know you've got a lot of people watching, the Nasty Boys are scheduled to be there, but you know, there's been some illness uh, with Brian. Uh, so uh, we're still waiting that, but right now they're booked, but there's a possibility that they may be uh, taken out. And I just want the fans to know that. And uh, if we get that uh, notification, then we will put it out there. Uh, but I think uh, even with the, if we miss them, we still got one heck of a lineup that I think the fans are going to enjoy. Plus all the SICW greats, you know, uh, Flash Flanagan, uh, one of the top. Cahagas. Cahagas uh, making some noise. Ricky uh, Cruz, definitely. the legends. Yeah, you know, Gary Jackson, uh, uh, Big Texan, uh, Rick Ruby, you, you know, uh, Rick Ruby is uh, of course. in the room and, uh, Chris Hargis and of course Travis the crook cook. Uh, every anywhere Travis is at, there's always uh, the double trouble, you know. So, but I appreciate <laughs> for you guys, sure. uh, inviting uh, Ed and I on tonight. Uh, uh, I'm excited about that wrestling at the Chase book. Really excited about the film. Uh, we've already started production on that, uh, and there's going to be a lot more of that coming. Uh, talking about that in the near future. Well, I absolutely love the information. I'll tell you what. As far as that coffee table book, I've got. 
uh, two unscripted books, uh, We Americans, A Nation Challenge is September 11th, uh, coffee table book. That is definitely going to be the one that I'm going to grab next. And Herb, one way or another, the Wrestle Talk podcast is coming back to SICW. Let's talk off the off the board here a little bit later this week and see if we can work something together. Because last time, I mean, it was like red carpet treatment over there uh, down with you beautiful folks in uh, East Crondelet, Illinois. We love you and we thank you so much for yeah, being absolutely. a longtime and loyal member of the Wrestle Talk family, man. Ca- My honor. Caps off. My honor. And you guys are welcome anytime. If you need anything, let me know. Got it, Maestro. Wonderful. You just be well, Herb. It's been a pleasure. And I can't wait to see you soon. Okay, buddy? Fine. Just send me my check, will you? That's right. And next (laughs) time, we want a rematch because Herb Simmons deserves the rematch. Nope. He won at fair and square. Thank you. Renee just doesn't like me. Wait, wait. Does that mean we don't get a rematch? What does that have to do with the Renee just doesn't like me, Herb. It's okay. (laughs) I think last time I was on, I went against Renee and I won. Okay. All right. Well, we appreciate you coming on, Herb. Have a good night. No. <laughs> Love you, man. <laughs> dude, Herb freaking Simmons. Um, Dude, I just want to see that happen again because I think Herb was uh, uh, maybe he had so much going on that he wasn't really, really able to lock in on the trivia challenge. But now that he's done it a couple of times, I think you guys should do that again, bro, because he smoked me. I mean, I'm going to just be honest. He, he destroyed me. But you, bro, you were on it. You were four. Yeah, you scored four, and he yeah. had zero. So that's amazing. I, I, I can literally sleep tonight knowing that I swept Herd Simmons in a wrestling trivia challenge. That, Boom, baby. That was good like, stuff. Holy shit. I loved it. That That's almost like the Browns trying to beat the Chiefs. I mean, you, yeah, you, I know. you Except, did what they uh, could you know, unlike the Chiefs, the Browns actually have won the past two weeks. So Yeah, and, and unlike the Browns, the Chiefs have actually won Super Bowls. So, you know, there's that. Yeah, although look up the championships and see who has more. So Hey, if we count the AFL championships, the Chiefs have more than anybody. So remember that. Do they, though? Uh, do yeah, they? they do. I mean, it's like four, but... Definitely more than Cleveland. All right, folks, <laughs> when, we, when we're off the air, this is like this will be a, like a post game thing where we'll Renee, be arguing I, about it. Yeah, we're gonna be arguing about it, but I'm gonna prove to Renee why I'm right. But it's okay. He never likes me being right anyway, um, so it's okay. All right. Well, you know what? The only reason we lost the last two weeks is because you guys stole Kareem Hunt from us because he likes to to uh, smoke too much lettuce. And if it wasn't for that, then we. <laughs> Too much of the hippie lettuce. It was it was his fault and Cleveland's for stealing Kareem Hunt because he doesn't fumble the ball. And you don't even need him. You got Nick Chubb, man. You're pissing me off. Yeah, because for the first time in six years, you guys are actually in last place, and you don't know what it's like, though. <laughs> you keep smoking on what you're smoking in the middle of the show, and I'll just keep enjoying uh, enjoying my helmets. That's right. my <laughs> Well, I'll tell you what, Maestro. It's been a <laughs> – outstanding outstanding showing by both you and myself but really the guests and the members of the rest of talk family have been the stars of tonight's show i I just want to thank everybody for being here i always look forward to tuesday nights because i get to forget about all the other crazy stuff i got going on and just lock in to professional wrestling for two plus hours at this point 222 going on 223 so thank you so much, Maestro, for joining me, bro. I loved everything that we were able to do tonight. 
And I hope that maybe next week, if your availability allows it, we can do it all over again, baby, for 365 as we continue to creep towards a record-setting 400. Bro, we're not that far from episode 400. I mean, we had ACH, we had Derek Stone, bro. We had some legends on for episode 300. Can you imagine what 400 is going to be like? It is going to be star-studded and, you know, I just, it's been amazing. It's been a great, this has been one of my, the, my favorite shows. I know I say that a lot every time I host it with, alongside you, but honestly, having Ed on, having Herb on, they're just fantastic, the two of them. I mean, you can, like I said, this is why Herb invited me over, where we would literally just, you know, sit back, just go through all kinds of history and archives and stuff and just chill. You know, that's the type of stuff I am excited. Live for that stuff, man. Well, I'll tell you what I live for. We're doing the watch party at Kincaid for Survivor Series and Wrestle Talk's going to be on the road for WWE Royal Rumble in the good old ASTL, baby. You know how we do. Everybody have a great night. Much love and respect to all of you, baby. WrestleTalkPodcast.com, 24-7, I70SportsMedia.com, or Interstate70SportsMedia.com, 24-7, if you can't get enough of these faces. Wait a sec. Got two quick things. Number one, it is actually Interstate70Sports.media. I bought the media domain, so they can't be taking that from me. Uh, media, I, I like it. Okay, I I like that. That's that. new. I didn't know that. No, you're good, buddy. I ain't letting no one take my shit. This is a <laughs> um, dot media. Okay, got dot you. Media. All right, and also, as always, folks, especially in the times that we live in, life is a book full of empty pages just waiting to be written in. Make your lives worth reading, and be well, and cherish each day. So, have a Grace good night, and peace, folks. everybody. Adios. Okay. We out. Peace.